Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And that's your dog barking in the background. And this episode of the Ram Nintendo Podcast is called Stuck on You, as we'll be talking about the point-and-click adventure Stick It to the Man, which is now on Wii U. See, we, we took two of the wor- two of the two of the things from that sentence and made it the title. We're very clever. So yeah, we're talking about that game later in the show. But before that, we have a lot of news to. You're giving me this look like I just committed the most atrocious crime. Uh, <laughs> we'll be we talking about. I did. We'll be talking about that later in the show. Before the before we get to that, though, of course, we have a lot of news to get to. There was a surprise Mario Kart 8 direct. So we have a lot to get a lot of in depth discussion about that. There was um, some third party news worth noting. There was Nintendo's DLC plan for Mario Golf, which kind of came out of the blue and there's some indie stuff and of course there was nintendo's e3 big e3 tease so we have all that to cover this episode as always the best way to find exactly what you want to hear is go to ramtown.com and go to the corresponding blog post for this episode which once again is number 69 stuck on you because you see the you and that no and um yeah and you can find timestamps for every segment and every section and every thought almost every thought um on the blog post so so with that said um I guess we should probably start with the with the Mario Kart news. That was the that was the big one. Like it's um, literally the same length as the Smash Bros. Yeah, I, I guess we ought to do that. We ought to, we yeah. We we auto. Yeah. Auto. Let's drive it home. Let's let yeah. Let's let's I have no pun. A la carte. <laughs> let's present the news a la carte, yeah. Alright, well for I did want to say first though that um I don't know if you know or, or I guess it, I get the better way to say it is I don't know if it was clear from last episode. When, it, when we talked in-depth about the Smash Bros. Direct and the Tomodachi Life Direct, both of which kind of came out of nowhere and were themed around specific games. But Nintendo's really kind of changing how they deliver news now in these last couple of months. I mean, yeah, they're still doing it in the form of these Direct videos, right? But they're kind of shifting them from being just like, I water in front of a blank white screen talking to us in kind of a very matter-of-fact way to like these elaborate productions or they throw in humor and they throw in memes and they throw in references to all sorts of stuff and they do spoofs and they work with comedy troops like mega 64 and they like they're like actual like it's like you're tuning into an episode it's like an actual entertainment product now not just a press conference that happens to be recorded two weeks before it's aired they're, they're uh, you could tell like they're really trying and almost in the same sense they're like they're trying, in some instances, they're trying a little too hard, and you're like, oh, yeah. Nintendo, please scale it back a bit. But they're, they're finding their footing, that's all, I think. Yeah, like, it, I think this pod, yeah, this podcast, <laughs> this direct, I think, I don't know, it was like right in between, yeah, like, the water in the blank background, and that one where, um, someone was in an elevator, and it was just really awkward. Oh, it, yeah, it was the like, start it was, of... it was kind of cringy. Yeah, it was the one where Reggie was talking to Bill Trennan through the through the speaker on the elevator and Bill Trainer was like how are you talking to me Reggie and I really wanted to shout at the video um there's a speaker in the elevator the firemen use it when you're stuck it's right there <laughs> but I yeah I don't remember what that was for but I remember it was just one of the general directs uh, and then um what's her name she used to work at Audrey something she used to work IGN human. yeah she used to work for IGN and now she's a localization person in the treehouse and she did a really mm-hmm. no offense, nothing against her. She seems like a nice person, but she did a really cringeworthy. Like, what is happening? I'm gonna run out all confused. Bit, which didn't work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the directs are definitely a little different in terms of how they present them. So, like you said, your dog is going crazy, by the way. Uh, and also, they're kind of dropping the directs out of nowhere. I don't know if you noticed, but they stopped announcing them. It used to be, hey guys, get hyped. There's a like a week in advance, and it was like a few days. And, and now, now it's like, like when it happens. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, by the way, if you go over to YouTube, we have a direct. Like literally, both times when I woke up for these, uh, when I woke up for work, 
the directs happened before I wake up, about like half an hour before they were posted. Like the E3 mini announcement and the main Mario Kart direct. So both times I wake up, first thing I do when I wake up is check Twitter. And I was like, oh, there's probably like 40 tweets. That's usually how much when I wake up because I'm up to like 2 a.m. the night before. Get up at like 7.30. You, everyone needs to know my sleep schedule. There you go. Uh, and I, I open it. I'm like, why is there 110 tweets? How am I going to read 110 tweets before work? And I start scrolling through. I'm like, Nintendo, what are you doing? Stop it. Give us warning. I need to mentally prepare to have to read an onslaught of news. I mean, it's great news. But I was just kind of like, why is this happening? Yeah, I didn't even realize there was a direct until like 3 in the afternoon. Yeah, you I, texted I, me. I, I just like, thought there was like an onslaught of like, just like, oh, like, oh I guess there was a second again. embargo that was lifted. Yeah. And then well, there I, was in tandem. Oh, and then I saw like, I saw the footage, I read the press release, and then I wanted, well, there's a direct that goes with this. And, yeah. and I saw that, oh, that's where all that footage came from. Yeah, I remember you texting me at like 4.30 in the afternoon, like, when did they announce the direct? I'm like, they didn't. <laughs> that's the problem. But no, so Mark Kart really is, I mean, we're, we're kind of honing this point in now, but Mario Kart 8 really was the prime example of, like, the new style of Direct. I mean, it was a thir- it was 36 minutes long. It was information, some of which we've had known already, and some of which we didn't know, but they just kind of packed it in this very cheesy way where they took the uh, Mario Kart TV idea to heart, that's the online replay feature, which we'll talk about later, and they made it a guy. It's very meta. They had a guy watching a Nintendo Direct, within Nintendo Direct, and then he starts channel surfing through all these different Mario Kart channels on his Mario Kart TV. And they did spoofs of, like, Dateline investigations and sports commentary. Home networks. Home shopping shopping. networks. uh, Motivational speeches. uh, Like, reminiscing about the past in haiku form. Those were the best. Oh, and the live music. That was cool. I want to see them do more of that. Oh, yeah. Where they had the live big band recording session. Uh, They, like, filmed the filming. They filmed the recording of the music from Mario Kart 8, and they played back samples. The only time I've ever seen them do that was for Galaxy, where they just posted it on YouTube. By itself, yeah. yeah. But this was... This worked. Like, it worked because it was really like watching a TV show. They had, like, commercial breaks for themselves for the same thing, but within, like, it'd be, like, a segment and then, like, a Mario Kart history lesson and another segment. So I thought it was a cool approach. It's probably my favorite direct simply for that reason. And I hope Nintendo does that yeah. kind of thing. And I like how more. I started where the guys are like, oh, I hope they just release, like, all the information we want to know already. They're like, all right, well, yeah. we're going to do that. <laughs> yeah. And I, they pretty much did answer, like, every question I wanted to know except for, like, oh, they're going to need more character, secret character that you. Yeah, but this was this was the blowout. They revealed every track. They revealed every character. They revealed too much info. Yeah. Like, we're not going to touch... I mean, we're going to talk about the gameplay stuff, I think. But I would be shocked if we end up talking about, like, tracks or anything in this podcast. It's kind of like, we want to say something for the game. We don't want to be like, hey, the new Rainbow Road, man, it's attached to a space station. How weird. See, I just did it. I snuck it in. But... Yeah, like, I already spoiled, like, every single track from my I purposely have only watched a third of them, roughly. If Only you, the if, stuff. Yeah, if you saw the direct, you pretty much did end up spoiling every track for yourself. No, but... they left some out. I only saw what's in the direct. That's pretty much. Yeah, they left out a lot of the returning tracks. Like, uh, Yoshi Valley wasn't in there at all. Oh, yeah. Hey, guess what? Yoshi Valley's in the game, guys. No, but, uh, uh yeah. Was Sherbert Land in there? I, I, I don't, yeah, I was. I, uh, but you know what wasn't? <laughs> Piranha, what's it called? Piranha Falls? The one with the water where you go through the pipe? Piranha Pipe? Oh, no, that, that, that's been spoiled. It wasn't, before. yeah, but it wasn't in the direct. Oh, yeah, but. It was, however, in the two and a half minute and even more features trailer, which I watched. No, but it well. was in a trailer that was released a long time ago, though. Was it? Yeah. Oh, I just yeah, It definitely was. I forgot. Yeah. But, so what What we should be talking about instead of what, talk about how we're not going to talk about things and then sneak in talking about it. I think we did the last episode, too. We did with Smash Bros., yeah. Yeah, it's actually funny how similar this episode, like, beat for beat, kind of me- measures up against Smash, because we had the huge. 35 to 40 minute direct followed by a bunch of little directs and other news. So, in terms of what Mario Kart 8 Direct taught us, the big one that they really honed in, like, they really focused on was online support. And your dog is, like, freaking out. Is your dog okay? 
By the way, his dog's name is Donatello, much like a Ninja Turtle. Interestingly, he does not resemble a Ninja Turtle. Nope, he doesn't. And I think that shut him up. He felt bad that I said he's not a Ninja Turtle. He did have a purple collar at some point to match Donatello's purple headband. Ah, see, he's green. I don't even think they hear the dog, but it's just driving me crazy. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Doggone it. Doggone it. Anyway, uh, online support. So that's the big thing they talked about with Mario Kart 8's Direct. And they reconfirmed what we already knew. There's going to be 12 play- players in a race. But what we now know is how it's actually going to work. Like, before, it's like, oh, yeah, you can play strangers, you can play friends. Every Mario Kart does that. And there'll be tournaments, yeah. Okay, but how deep do they go? Now we got all that information. So, we do know that, uh, like I said, we do know it does have up to 12 players. We do know you can do strangers, you can do friends, you can do custom tournaments. I'm just repeating myself, I just realized. But <laughs> the most important new feature is the menu screen for online play is hovering above Earth with toads in spacesuits floating by each other and waving and looking adorable. That's the key takeaway from that 36-minute direct, is that they look adorable and I want a plush of them and I want to hug it. Every day for multiple hours. They do look adorable. They do. And they look they look a mix of bemused that they're in space and freaking out that they're in space. Like, they're kind of like, yeah, yay? But, um, no, the real news, the real news that came out of it is a couple new features that I don't think we necessarily expected. The biggest being voice chat. They're doing voice chat. First Mario Kart that has voice chat, I believe. Uh, so the, the, catch, the catch is it's only with friends and it's only when you're in the lobby before and after a race. So you can't actually trash talk as you're racing. You can only trash talk retroactively or preemptively. So if you wanted to hear the screams of your friends, like getting hit by a blue shot or something. Yeah, if you want to hear a friend. Oh, just do, um, a speaker. Let's call them. Yeah, that's how we usually play. But it's nice that like, at least for the lobbies, if you're playing against people, maybe that you don't have a phone number of like. For example, if we're playing our listeners in a official Ram Nintendo Mario Kart tournament, which we will definitely do at some point, um, you know, we're not going to have their phone numbers, but we could at least chat a bit in between. True. But yeah, it, is, it does kind of suck that we can't hear all the, damn it, when they get hit by blue shells, like, in the moment. Yeah. Because that's graphic. Maybe it's for the best, because I tend to get a little too into yeah, these you games. You've, you've hurt me emotionally many times. Uh, but so yeah, voice chat stronger. Yeah, I guess. But voice chat's one of the things that they're adding. And the other thing, like I said, was the custom tournaments, which they were in Mario Kart Seven. You could do like I'm gonna set up. A, they were called communities at that point. It's like you get a special number and you build a tournament. It could be bombs only, mushrooms only. You can have some stipulations. They're keeping all that. You can still pick the speed. You can still pick um, certain sets of activities. Like if you want a team battle or an individual. I mean, team racer individual where the scores are tied together or not. But what they're adding on top of that now, which is super cool, is some stuff that's expected. Vehicle type, now that there's ATVs and motorcycles, you kind of determine if you want them all or only one. Uh, they're adding control type because there's the Wii wheel, there's the Wii mote, there's the gamepad. So you can say, there's the pro controller, so you can say, oh, we only want people with this type of controller to ensure it's completely fair. And most interestingly, they're adding scheduling. Yeah, so this is cool, yeah. I think. They're basically, you can pick to have a recurring daily tournament, weekly tournament, or monthly tournament, and you can pick the hours it starts and stops. So we can say for Nintendo, which we are going to do, but not at this time or date, every Sunday from 9 to 10 p.m. for the next three weeks, we are going to have the Ram Nintendo tournament, hypothetically. Wait, can you set, like, the parameters, like, three weeks? Like, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if you can set three weeks, but you can set it for weekly, and after three weeks, just turn it back off. But you don't have to reset every week. You can set recurring weekly, monthly, daily. Oh, yeah, because then I figured, like, oh, if I set up one of those tournaments, at some point I might just forget. It's like, I don't want to just, like, leave but the tournament is, to die. Well, the thing is, you can let the tournament live on its own, because much like in Mario Kart 7, you not only can share a number, a numeric, of like, 20,000 character numeric code for people to find your tournament if they're not on your friends list, but now you can also use a public search feature. So when you, you get to name your tournament, 
And when you do, and all the stipulations, you know, you can, it's not just item, I mean, it's still item sets, but they're a little more customized than Mario Kart 7 was. So you can be like, yeah, we want the frantic items, which means it's going to be a whole lot of lightning bolts, or they don't have lightning bolts in this one. It's going to be a whole lot, oh, they do. Do they? Yeah, Right. I was thinking thundercloud. It's going to be a whole lot of lightning bolts, it's going to be a whole lot of, you know, blue shells. If you want in frantic, someone can search, I want frantic tournaments with a name like, I don't know. Um, Boom shakalaka. And then, yeah, and then people can find it that way. So even if you give up on a tournament, other people may start playing it if you open it publicly. If it's private, you can only share with the number or with your friends. So so that's another thing. Public and private tournaments are now more of a separate thing. So they're they're adding a lot. And and you can also determine the skill level of who can enter your tournament. You can turn on or off mirror mode. You can... Did they say whether they're like a point threshold? Like, oh, once like someone reaches a certain point, like, oh, they're the winner of said tournament. And then it just resets the brackets. Or it's nothing like that. It's just going to be like a the, lobby. I think it's like a lobby. I don't think... Well, I don't know, to be honest. Nintendo didn't really say any impressions. Because really it doesn't sound like an actual tournament. It just sounds like you're setting up an area where no, people it might play have bra- with certain features. I'm guessing it has brackets, and that's why it has end times. Because it can say whoever's number one in the most races after, by 5 p.m. Monday, congrats, they won the tournament for that week. That's my hunch, but no one really addressed that. Because the thing is, Nintendo was very, as great as the Direct was, the new information they covered extremely brief. They're like, yeah, we have tournaments, check them out. Like, it's like, okay, we have voice chat, you can talk now. Cool. Like, that, that was it. But IGN and some of those other guys, they were going into more detail. So that's where I got some of the info on how tournament works. But I don't know if it's a true bracket or more like a lobby. I'm assuming if they're calling it tournaments and not communities, like in 7, it's probably a bracket. I would hope so. Yeah. And that also, like I said, that also explains the end time thing. Yeah. Uh, but either way, I think it's super cool. And as I kind of said already, we are going to do tournaments for Nintendo at some point. I mean, a lot of you are on our friends list on our Wii U, so it's pretty easy. And we could just give a code or a name or something. So once the game comes out, we'll set that up and we'll announce it on our Twitter at RamNintendo, on the site at RamNintendo.com, and in a podcast. So. So join us and see how bad I am at video games for yourself firsthand. Uh, the other thing they had, they announced about online, this one's a returning feature, is online ghosts. You'll once again be able to download ghost data for time trials, which are back. Spooky. Uh, yeah, the... Well, not spooky. It's, it's relatively... It's I mean... There's no pun to go in the other direction here. I set up for a joke I didn't have. I'm sorry. Let's just pretend that didn't happen. So online ghosts... Uh, yeah, that this is gonna haunt me now. The fact that I couldn't get that. Uh, yeah, recovery, recovery. I stuck the landing. Uh, yeah, so Ghost is gonna be exactly how it is in another Mario Kart. You can download um, your friends. You can download your the top ten players in the world. You can download developers. The new wrinkle: if you be a developer on a specific course, you get a Miiverse stamp representing that you beat them at that course. So you can get course themed Miiverse stamps, which really, I think that, and you only get it if you beat them. So I think that really shows that stamps, more now more than ever, are officially Nintendo's achievements. They're officially Nintendo's trophies. You get them for certain things, but they have the option to share them if you want through Miiverse, or you can not, or you can not brag. That's yeah. the difference. Like, and gamer you, scores and PSN stuff, you're like, yeah, you have to see it, it's right there. This one, it's, it's for the humble ones out there. Yeah, so if you, like, really don't care about Miiverse, this is kind of a waste for you, but... <laughs> Yeah, but ghost battles, ghost races are still fun. I mean, as they point out in the direct, it's a good way to learn new strategies, especially from the developers. Yep. So then when you go play online, you know, shortcuts. Pretty much the way to go. Yep. And the final bit, well, sorry, the second to the last bit of online, this one's the big one, the big new one, uh, Mario Kart TV. 
it's probably the most surprising thing they're doing. I mean, we knew they were, they've always had replays in Mario Kart. That's nothing new. And we knew we'd be able to slow down and rewind our replays and pick key moments and set, share them on Miiverse through uh, this Mario Kart TV feature. What we didn't know is that, uh, one, you can share them to YouTube as well as Miiverse. You just log in with your Google ID. And two, we didn't know how exactly you edit them and what exactly you can share. So, here's what we now know. According to IGN, uh, Mario Kart 8's going to let you have up to 12 replays from your last 12 races always available on your Wii U. They are saved on there. So if you want to go to Mario Kart TV and edit something the next day, you have all 12 of your previous races right there to do. And when you do edit it, you can do it into 15, 30, or 60 second bits. So you really just pick the highlights. And you can, you know, you can, they said there's a rudimentary editor so you can, like, crop what you want or give it, I don't know if you're actually manually, like, messing with a timeline or if you're just, like, I want a moment where I go off a jump and it finds the moment and gives you a camera angle. I'm not sure which way it does it. I think it just says, like, oh, pick a character that it tracks and then, I guess it just picks. But they also said key moments. You can tell it key moments to focus on. So there must be, so either you're picking the moment on a scrub bar. Oh. Or it's just you're saying I want the moment when I got into first. And no, it I, shows think, it. I think you just maybe just say key moments, and then I mean I'm pretty sure it'll count a key moment whenever you do a trick, whenever you hit someone. Yeah, but then uh, how does it know to do fifteen thirty or so? like what would determine why it should be fifteen versus thirty? Except you saying I only want the length 15. of the track. I mean I'm pretty sure. I guess it sounds like you can pick any three lines. Just see, it's still mysterious. Like who knows? Yeah, we'll find out on May thirtieth. But what but what's kind of cool about it is when you uh, link it to YouTube and then upload it to YouTube. It also has the ability to hook that YouTube video back into Miiverse, which I think is why they went with YouTube. In-game, in Mario Kart 8, there's a, Mi- a Mario Kart TV like section. You can browse the most popular videos, which are all ranked based on replays. Not plays, they said replays. So whoever keeps watching the same one over and over, that one's going to go up. Yeah. Based off the whole user base. So that's one way to browse them. But second, the secondary thing is you can post them directly to the Miiverse app and website. And that... And that goes through YouTube, and I think that's why they have YouTube, because you, they've been able to embed YouTube on Miiverse forever. Why would they want to make their own video player when they can just use YouTube? So yeah. it's kind of a win-win. Nintendo gets the free promotion on YouTube when people find Mario Kart videos, and you get to add it to Miiverse, and they can save on hosting costs. The nice thing when you add it to Miiverse is as it uploads, they give you a comment box, and you can draw it or add special stamps or that sort of thing to really like give the posting a little normal Miiverse personality opposed to just text. Now, the, the one thing that kind of caused a little commotion about the YouTube issue, which I think is totally ridiculous, some people were ridiculous freaking... Ridiculous that people were freaking out? Yeah, or? that people were oh. freaking out. Uh, when you upload them to YouTube, there's this issue. Okay, there's a thing with YouTube. You know how, like, you can upload a song or you can upload something and then a, the company that owns the song can claim it? They content ID it. Mm-hmm. They basically say it's ours. This happened with a couple Coldplay concert videos I took a few years ago. Like, mm-hmm. Coldplay, Warner Music's like... Sorry, we don't want people in Sweden watching your Viva La Vida live video. And I'm like, okay, so I guess. Or the other thing Content ID really does, though, is they can block videos, but the same technique is used to put ads on videos. So Nintendo can say, that's our game. We want the ad revenue when they put the little you know, ad, pre-roll ad or whatever yeah. and do that. Now, the problem is, and it's caused controversy that we talked about on the show before, people that do Let's Play videos are saying, but we're the ones that like captured it. We're the ones that put our voice over it. We're the ones that like edited it all together and made it our own thing. We should get the money. Well, that's and it tells like uploaded it from the player. That's what I'm saying. Most people have capture cards that do Let's Play. Oh, no, no, no. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm talking about. For people that capture card it, the Let's Play people, they're all, in general, not happy about content ID because they're saying, I'm capturing it. I'm editing it. I'm showing you what I want to show you. Yeah, it's their game, but it's me making what it is. Me using that as the... You know, it's it's yeah. that 
they're making their video using the media of someone else, and they're saying that should be still be their video, not Nintendo's. So there's been a back and forth about that. With this one, Nintendo's saying, okay, anytime you upload a Mario Kart 8 video from the game, it's going to be content ID'd. We're putting our ads on there. Tough. And some people are like, how dare you, Nintendo? It's like, guys, you're not editing it. I mean, you're not capturing it. And even if you are editing it, it's using that rudimentary editor that we don't even know how it works, and it doesn't do much. Yeah. Like, this is Nintendo from point A to point B to point C. Like, every step of the process, Nintendo's in charge of. I don't know. If they really wanted that footage, they have kept... Well, most of these people would have capture cards anyway, so they could yeah. just play the footage from their Wii U, like, in their menu, or, like, just to view it, record it from the capture card, and then just upload it themselves. But and similarly, the yeah, exactly. And, and then there won't be content ID. There you go. Yeah, and similarly, well, it still could. Nintendo sometimes cracks well, down. They're easing up though after the backlash. But similarly, oh, well, I guess now they could talk over it and kind of do some more edits to it. Yeah, but I, I just gonna say that similarly. Um, wow, I forgot what I was gonna say. I think you made my point for me, so I don't have to. But it's just like it was you, similar to something though. Yeah, I don't know what though. Oh well. Uh, but yeah, so for those that are freaking out about, it, just calm down. It's not like. Nintendo's giving you a feature that lets you do something. Of course, they're going to own what you're doing with the feature, especially if they're using it for Miiverse. Like, that's never going to be yours. So just just chill out. But, uh, I mean, most people seem to see that as a valid reasoning, but, you know, people don't. And, and similarly, I think I remember what I was going to say, similarly along that line, if you really want to edit it, you're not going to be using Mario Kart TV to begin with. As you, sa- you kind of said, yeah, if they want to get their content ID back, they'll just do it themselves. Well, right, and the if only you want, way you- to get those angles, though. Is it? You could just capture card a whole replay and then just splice it up how you want. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So there, I, and even then, you could, ca- like you say, you well, could capture card the then you, highlight and then, then I guess you, I guess that would be the only other way to control the slow motion and fast motion, assuming you want that in your... Not only your, that, but, but not, not only that, never mind that. Um, you're not doing anything. It's 30 seconds long. It's not like you're going to give a great commentary on top of 30 seconds. Yeah. You're just going to be like, check out this trick. It's pretty <laughs> cool. I went backwards. And that'll be it. Like, you can't... There's no content there. So, yeah. So, that's that's my two cents on it. The last bit of online, unless there's something else you want to say about Cart TV. It's a cool concept. The logo for it's a little bleh. But it's a cool concept. No. Oh, I did have one more thing that I wanted to mention. Who would have thought that Nintendo would have leapfrogged PlayStation 4? Granted, this is one game and it's very limited. But for a while now, people have been like, when's PlayStation 4 going to let me upload my videos to YouTube? Like, I can do it on Twitch. I can do it on Ustream. When can I put it on YouTube? And now Nintendo's like, hey, PlayStation guys, you can do it here if you want 15-second long videos. (laughs) Like, who would have thought Nintendo would end up being the first, among the first to upload to YouTube? I think Xbox might do it already. But PlayStation certainly hasn't gotten that feature yet. They're about to with the firmware update. With that software editing suite or video editing suite. But they don't have it yet. So, just PlayStation 4, right? Is yeah. that what we're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, because I know, I guess it's just, uh, I know like Street Fighter 4 lets you upload to YouTube, but that's, but that's the, on yeah, a, game it's a game thing. Yeah, and, and Mario Kart 8 is also obviously a game thing, but the fact that Nintendo, I mean, in the span of six months, we went from the, uh, the just the sheer, the mere concept of wouldn't it be cool if you could live stream or post videos in game to it being in two main consoles and Nintendo hopping on the bandwagon very quickly to get it built in. So that's, that's kind of impressive turnaround. Usually Nintendo takes years to catch up to things. Yeah. So, for once, Nintendo's at the forefront. See if Smash Brothers can... Yeah, I'll be interested if Smash Brothers does any sort of YouTube-based, like, battle highlights. I, I assume they'll decide if they want to bake it in based on how well Mario Kart does. Because it's far enough away, the Wii U version, that they can just port the code over from Mario Kart if it ends up being a success. And if it doesn't, they just won't bother. Yeah. Yeah. The final bit of online... 
This one was actually wasn't even in the direct. This one was kind of a mystery. And then, thanks to IGN and other journalists and whatnot, we got a bit more information. And that's battle mode. So originally, we learned that battle mode was a thing, but it was different than in the past. And then, we just recently learned, thanks to a journalist posting on NeoGAF, because he has a review copy, battle mode is online, and it does support up to 12 players. So that's already a change. I think it was 8 previously in all battle. No, Mario Kart Wii had 12 as well. But the yeah, but they were weird. It was like a controlled arena, and yeah. you're pretty much just hitting people. Even if you lose all your balloons, you just come back with more balloons, and it's just a point thing. Yeah, that's true. This one is this one's a mix of old school Mario Kart, but with uh, or this one is old school Mario Kart battle balloon battle, but with some weird twists. So like first a of all, of the old and the Wii. Yeah, a little because you re- respawn. So yeah, how it works is you do have the three balloons, just like in ye olden days of the Super Nintendo N64 version. If you get hit by an item, they get popped. Once they're gone, tough. You can't win. But what you can do now is you stay as a ghost, which they've done in a number of versions. But you can get... It used to be you can only throw a bomb. Or it used to be you can only like, trip up people. Bomb. Or you were the bomb. Now you are a full-fledged ghost character who can grab any item and use it to sabotage other people. So it changes the dynamic a little. I imagine it would make it fun. But at the same time, kind of like, if you're out, you're out. Stay out. <laughs> I guess if you're out, it just makes it harder. No, actually, no. I think it's a really good thing that they stay as ghosts. Because, I mean... They're using full, practically full tracks as arenas. If, that was the other if people, change. If people start getting eliminated, there are going to be fewer people on the track, which uh, means true. less Well, they're not full the tracks. People. They're almost full tracks. That's the oh, other well. big change. Well, even then, I mean... Yeah. They're ditching arenas, for those who didn't hear, because this wasn't in the direct. There are no arenas in the in that come with Mario Kart 8. Instead, they're retro... Like you said, they're retrofitting actual courses. So there's, like, I think, eight courses that they're... They're basically going to be these long corridors that you're, fight, that you're battling in instead of big squares or circles. Yeah. So with 12 players, that's not horrible. I mean, that makes it more active. If it was 8, it would have felt kind of lonely. But watching videos like Moo Moo Meadows as the battlefield just felt like you're going up and down the same track. If anything, it reminds me of Wipeout's battle mode in the PS3 Wipeout. I forgot what it's called, the mode. But you're basically zipping back and forth along a track, shooting bombs at each other. It's oh, kind of the same idea. Well, that one, you weren't going really back and forth. You're actually just going in circles. No, you. when I used to play, uh, there's a friend oh, I play it, it with, well, and you do double back. Well, I mean, least, you can go in circles, but you could also just kind of try and butt heads as much as possible, uh, which is how we I played. I listened to one, I guess, the PSP one that I played. Like, I don't think I ever saw anyone going back. It was just... Oh, you just kept looping. Yeah, you, you pretty much just raced until everyone died. Yeah. Yeah, this this. Is, oh no, that's a different mode. There's multiple. I guess that one, the one I'm talking about, wasn't in the PS because that's also in the PS3 version. The oh. one where you just it's like an endurance race, sorta. And everyone was all meddled out and yeah, just shooting was, stuff at each other. Oh well, maybe it's the same. I don't know. Either way, no. this is more like Wipeout than old school Mario Kart. But uh, I'm hoping. Uh, I mean, the thing is, I want real arenas. I'm kind of hoping that Nintendo's gonna like maybe they realize they have a gap in their lineup. I'm sure they realize. And maybe they're like, you know what, let's just get Mario Kart out like this. It's super polished with races. Battles, not so much. How about this? We'll just retrofit some tracks, and then, like, in six months, we'll release a battle mode DLC pack and bring back, like, all the classic arenas and some new ones and have a new mode, and you can play it online. Wouldn't that be great? Like, that's what I'm really hoping happens. Will it? Originally, I'd say no, but after what they announced about Mario Golf DLC, which we'll get to a little later, anything, they seem to be fully embracing DLC, so anything's possible. Yeah. That, But it would be awesome if they did that, I think. Yeah, I mean, as it stands, I mean, it looks like it could be fun. It looks more fun in practice than in spectating, so... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure it is going to be pretty fun. It's just like... And, and I'm, be, I'm happy that we have game. any battle yeah. mode, but it's just kind of like, I wish... I wish we had the arenas. Yeah. There's some good ones, even in, like, more recent games. The Luigi Mansion one's really good, for example. Yeah. But... That was but on yeah. the Wii? No, that was on the GameCube. No, the Luigi's Mansion? There was one on... I'm thinking of the one on DS. Or 3DS. 
or something. No, Don't DS. Throw bombs? DS. Oh, GameCube. Yeah, that was GameCube. GameCube. I, I told you. You're right. You're right. But anyway, outside, I... Yeah, I don't even think we really played Battle Mode on the Wii. It was no. just GameCube and that's pretty much it. DS, I guess. Yeah. A little. Yeah. Speaking of bombs, you know what bombs are? They're an item in Mario Kart. And speaking of items... God, this transition's awful. Speaking of items, Nintendo did confirm the final two items of Mario Kart 8 in the Direct. God, that was so stilted and bad. Anyway, no, so they, they did. Uh, basically, they confirmed the two items that we speculated about two episodes ago. And we were... Pre- I'm, I'm proud of us. We were pretty much spot on with both. So, the thing that looks like a speaker box is, in fact, a speaker box. And as we predicted, it will send a sound shockwave. It's called the Super Horn now, and it is the Blue Shell Buster. Yeah, and it's you the bunker bu- it It's the bunker place. buster for blue shells. Yep. You can get it in first place. Yeah. yeah, it's a rare item, and what? But you can get it in first place, which is the key part. Because what it does is it sends out a little round shockwave of sound and knocks everything out of the way. It will disintegrate any shell that comes near it. It will blast players back. It will make them drop coins. It will like things just go boosh and just fly apart. It's like a little pal block. It's a little pal block. Yeah. Is a pal block even in the game? No. Oh. Instead, they have the super horn. There's a lot of items that got omitted. There's also a lot of characters that got omitted. As of now. As of now. But uh, in addition to the Super Horn, there's also the Crazy 8, which anyone that's familiar with Mario Kart 7's special uh, Lucky 7 item, it's the same thing, just with a coin to make it 8. The the less interesting of our speculation. Yeah, we we said that's probably what it's going to be, but we were hoping it would be some sort of crazy anti-grab thing, and Nintendo's like, are you kidding? We're not doing that. Too much work. Too much work. Did you you see Rainbow Road? All our efforts went into that. Never mind Rainbow Road. Did you see what they did to Peach? Hey, guys, we have a new character. It's Peach, but she's pink gold now. Which brings us to characters, actually. The other thing they announced in the direct. Pink gold Peach is kind of growing on me. I'm not going to play her. Play as her. Play her. Whatever. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just... First of all, it's what's kind of wrong a, with saying rose? Kind of embraced, Why can't they just say rose? Why pink gold? I know pink gold's a real thing, but it's such a mouthful. Pink gold uh, peach. I, rose I, peach. Sounds much better. Uh, I guess pink is just more associated with peach. Yeah, and gold to show that she's metallic. But yeah, she's the she's a heavy version of peach. She's the companion of sorts to, uh, to Metal Mario. And she is the easiest way for Nintendo to add another character without having to make new assets. Because literally they just coated her in metal and gave her voice a little underwater sound effect. And boom, new character. The other new character they announced... A little less lazy, uh, Baby Rosalina. You can't have Rosalina without Baby Rosalina if you have all these other babies. Except where's Baby Daisy? Where Baby is... There. Never mind, we're set. There you go. Where's Baby Wario? Yeah, we just need... Where's Baby Yoshi? We need Baby Waluigi. Where's Baby Shy Guy? Baby. Where's Baby Shy Guy? Everyone needs a baby. Everyone needs a baby. You know, the game should just be... It should just be... You know what? It should, know, it should be the Muppet Baby of Mario Kart. They already have, like, the model for a Baby Yoshi somewhere in their database. Yeah, but not for Mario Kart. Not... With all those animations. Because that game has insane animations. Did you see some of those animations? Yeah. Mario's mustache blows in the wind. Yeah, but they Donkey have, Kong looks like he's on acid trip the entire game. I'm sure they could, like, grab one of those models from New Super Mario Bros. Yeah, U and just, like, play with it a little. Yeah, they probably could. But have you seen those gifts of Donkey Kong that they people have pulled out of the Direct? He yeah. looks like he's on a constant drug trip. I don't like his how face, Donkey Kong looks. His face is so... He looks so, like... I don't even know. He's just like, yay, like all the time. N- N- <laughs> Nintendo can't decide whether they want him to have teeth or not. Like, well, he the time, ha- he lately he's had teeth. teeth. Oh, no, he doesn't, he has teeth in Mario Kart. He doesn't have teeth in, in, um, Tropical Freeze. Well, hey, Freeze. in Tropical Freeze, he has teeth every so often. Yeah, every so often. It's but, like he pops in, uh, cranky yeah, dentures and it takes him back yeah, out. Yeah, but it's like when it looks, appro- I don't know, like, sometimes it looks like, yeah. right, this time, like, it just looks kind of creepy. And then, I don't know why, like, after, I mean, it kind of keeps going. I keep saying this over and over again, but like after Tropical Freeze, like every other Donkey Kong just looks 
less impressive. Just, oh yeah, this one he has like matted fur. Yeah, it just looks weird. Yeah. And then same thing with like the bra Donkey Kong. But I just want to reiterate, he looks like he's on acid <laughs> in every shot I see. If it, like when they did the slow motion yeah, in the he, direct, he and no he's just like, this weird grin. He's like staring, not where he's driving, but like off to the side. Like he's clearly on something. And whatever yeah. it is, I think all the Mushroom Kingdom inhabitants should have it. Because yeah, that make but, one hell of a game. But those details, though, like, there was a slow-mo shot where, like, you see, um, I think it was Koopa, it's Koopa's character? Yeah. Like, um, I think, oh, yeah, Ros- no, yeah, Rosalina was, like, drifting oh, right by him, and it was, like, super slow-mo, like, did you see shot, like, oh, how tight you can drift? Yeah. And then you see, like, um, <laughs> Koopa's eyes. Yeah, Koopa's eyes, like, tracker before his whole head starts moving. I just <laughs> thought that was really cool. Yeah, no, did you notice they also, when they showed the uh, Super Horn in action, they showed it with Baby Daisy. And her eyes look up at the blue shell before she gets hit, and then she uses the super horn. Yeah, it's all those like all those details. It makes it look alive. Ju- and just for the replays, really, because you don't see the eyes when you're face when you're actually playing. They're you're looking at their back. Yeah, so that's attention. You see their head turn every once in a while. Yeah, or like when they showed when they showed Rosalina on the bike, or no, they showed Mario on a Yoshi motorcycle. And Yoshi, as the turn occurs, there's a little mechanical Yoshi arm that reaches out to like kind of graze the, the road so it doesn't tip over. Yeah, when it's like, flying, it has its arms out. Yeah, and... just like atten- or like Peach's hair, just so much attention to detail. Yeah, like there was um, this is from an old one, but like Luigi passes Mario and he like looks over at Mario and mm-hmm. has a kind of like an angry face, but like yeah. he's like yelling out happily. So it's yeah, of... it's the, the amount of effort Nintendo's putting into the game is insane, which makes it kind of sad that the characters are so meh. Like, where is Dry Bones? Did he? Who else? Bowser Jr., Funky Kong. Yeah. There's so many they could add. My suspicion is, after the Mario Golf thing that we'll get to in a few minutes, uh, DLC again, maybe? Secret characters? If you buy the, the season pass or whatever they're going to call it, you get if Metal If you buy Rosalina. the battle pack, you Metal Rosalina. I wouldn't be surprised. It'd be She's like, already a heavy character, though. So. Yeah. Metal Baby Mario. Metal Baby Mario. There's already three versions of Mario and three versions of Peach. Yeah, you can have a race that's literally like... All babies. And all babies. All, and all adults. Yep. Can you? That'd, yeah. That'd be ten. I guess you could have... And then throw in two of the set. You could have a race that's almost entirely Koopalings. Yeah. <laughs> so. But, uh, and babies. Yeah. So while the while the characters may not necessarily be the most creative... Or that the thing well, that not, is, not, not, not creative. Well, it may not be the thing Nintendo's putting the most effort into. I think that's yeah, fair. I, I, I'm gonna give them credit for the Koopalings because I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I that didn't one's have cool. To. That's like different. But all the babies, like I don't like my time pair. I don't like Mario Kart being a time pair. You can't enough. really just pick one Koopaling either because they're all kind of on the same level. Yeah, it'd be like why more? I, I, well, no, they're different weight classes. No, they're split I, no, between no, the three. Oh no, yeah, that's right. But I mean, you can't. That's why like, you can't really just pick one. If you're gonna do one, you want yeah. to do all of them. I really like Ludwig, though. I think he's like, Oh, oh, you mean why would Nintendo pick? I thought you meant why as a player would you pick one opposed to... No, no, Nintendo, like, yeah. when picking yeah. them as characters. Yeah. But, and then Ludwig. But yeah, ignoring the, ignoring the Koopalings, the rest of the line, especially Pink Gold Peach. Come on, why not? As I tweeted the other day, why not Pauline? There's a princess Nintendo forgot. No. Oh, she's been she's been forced... Mario, Mario vs. Donkey Kong is the only thing she's in, and she's only in the first three. Then even Nintendo... Peach then, has a restraining order. She can't be... Oh, is that what it is? There's some drama there? Oh, I think she's real, never real, real, uh, real yeah, princess is a mushroom yeah, kingdom. you don't see Peach in Mario vs. Donkey Kong. You don't see Pauline in any of the sports games, so... Oh, man, there must be some bad blood. That's, I, I think so. That would make a really entertaining uh, Bravo television show, like Real Housewives. It was like one of those, like, let's just stay as friends, and they actually did. Peach and Pauline, or Peach and Mario? Uh, Mario and... Oh, Mario yeah. and Pauline. Yeah. 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 Well, I have a lot of st- what I was starting to say, uh, I was starting to transition, while the character, I'm going to keep this transition going because I'm proud of it. While the characters they may not put the most effort into, they're certainly putting effort into how they're promoting and selling the game. That's me clapping for myself. 
that was that good of a transition. Thank you. Thank you, me. Okay, so uh, what I was going to say, though, is they are putting a lot of effort into how they're going about pitching the game. The thing is, Mario Kart 8 is the big game that will sell Wii U's. Or we said not. it about Mario 3D. We said it about Mario 3D World. We said it about Zelda. You know, we've said it. This time it seems People real. said it about Pikmin. I, I never said it about Pikmin. Uh, Pikmin, I wasn't even sure of myself. But this time, I'm pretty sure. Reason? Trending on Twitter all day. Number two most searched thing on Yahoo the day of the announcement. Those didn't happen with any of these other games. It made like it made news. It was on like mainstream news sites. Like this is a bit, Mario Kart's a big deal. So if they if there was a game that were to be the one, it's probably this, and then maybe Smash Bros in half a year. But they need this to carry them. And the thing is, they're putting everything in one basket here. They're really pushing it to make it the case. Oh, For dude. example, in Europe, they're gonna be marketing the game throughout the year. Like it's you know Nintendo normally is like oh yeah. Here's an ad when it launches, and then maybe we'll drop the price and make it Nintendo Select and run a second ad in, like, a year and a half. They're going to do seven solid months of advertising in Europe, which uh, it could be one of two things. One, there's no other Wii U games coming out. Or two, which I hope isn't the case, or two, they're leveraging the fact that Mario Kart Wii was a true, and DS and 7 are all what they call evergreen tiles where they keep selling. They are constant top sellers. So you might as well make sure that that stays the case by pulling it heavily. So that's the one thing they're doing. But more importantly than that, they are really doing crazy deals to get people to buy it. So if you buy a Wii U deluxe set, the, there's a new Mario Kart bundle coming out alongside the game. It'll be $329, and it'll come with the game, the usual deluxe set stuff, and then a red Wii wheel and a red Wii, uh, Mario Wii remote, the Mario-branded one, all for 330 Now, I feel like it could probably be better if it was two ninety nine, but I'll get to that in a sec. The other thing, because okay, so it's three thirty for that, but that's not all. But wait, there's more. If you then freebies, yeah. If you buy the game, whether it's in the bundle for three thirty or if you just buy the game for sixty dollars, you get one of four free games if you register it with Club Nintendo. So if you buy the game and register it by July twenty first, you can either get New Super Mario Brothers U, Wii Party, Zelda Wind Waker HD, or Pikmin three for free. These are like the big titles Nintendo was pushing last year as must-have Wii U titles, and now they're giving them away. Of course, they're downloads, not retail, just mm-hmm. to be clear. But still, that's kind of crazy. Like, it... it Wait, I mean, retail, not downloads? No, they're download, not retail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what, what's interesting is, like, it's it's smart because if you bundle it with the bundle, like, if you put this guy with the bundle, it looks like a crazy deal. Because, you know, you, go, you walk into a Best Buy and you have on the shelf a $300 New Super Mario Brothers U and Luigi U bundle. And then right next to it, for $30 more, you get one game, you think. You get a brand new game, I guess you should say. You get a brand new game, you get two, an extra controller. You get the game that the other bundle has. Yeah, and then you get the, exactly, you get the controller, you get the game, and then you get the game from the other bundle, or Zelda, or Pikmin, or Wii Party. The problem is, I think there's two problems with this. One, 330 is above the psychological barrier here. Like, someone, it's much easier to pitch someone on 299 than 329. Something about 200 versus 300, you have to take a leap. You have to be like, yes, I'm going to spend 300. Granted, when you see 299, sure, that's close enough to 300. But a lot of people go, oh, 299? Like, if you sell it for 310, they'll be like, Ooh, that's over 300. I don't know. Like, it's not like a conscious thing where they're like, I'm an idiot. I can't tell $10 apart. It's a subconscious thing where they see a 2 versus a 3, and it's more enticing. The higher you go, the less enticing it becomes. So if they, if they were to have matched it at 300... That's why everyone does 99.99. Exactly. That's exactly why. So if they were a match at 300, I feel like it would do even better. But, I mean, like you said, they do have the secondary game. So you could get everything from the first bundle and everything from the second bundle. But the problem is, I don't know how heavily Nintendo will promote that. 
we obviously know about the deal, and Nintendo fans know about the deal, and they might have signs about the deal, but there should be a ton of uneducated consumers who go in and don't know about the deal and go, $30 more, and I get one less game and a Wii remote that I don't need. I kind of just want the side-scrolling Mario. So they kind of run a risk there. You could have had both. Yeah, and then as they walk out of the store, you go running after them, but you could have had both. No. Uh... Yeah, so that's the only potential thing I see as being an issue with it. But I think it's an awesome deal for us that we're getting a free game. Kind of sucks for Why? you because you Don't own all the games. I meant us as a Nintendo fans. Uh-oh. If you don't all, all, own all the games, you're buying a game you're going to buy anyway, and then you're getting a whole free game, like a free full retail price game for free. I'm just going to keep saying the word yeah. free, interjecting it randomly. I don't know, for most people, getting a bundle that has, I guess, potentially Zelda and Mario Kart is like... For $60. Yeah. You're paying Mario Kart's full price and you just get free Zelda. You're getting $120 worth of game for 60 Yep. Yeah. Uh, now, in Europe, it's way better than here in the States. Like, because you, we, we kind of alluded to it a second ago, but you ran into the issue of you own all the games <laughs> that they're giving away in America. There is no deal for At least in Europe, I didn't have... Olympic games. Right, because in Europe they're doing 10 games or something like that. Here we have four. They've had 10, and they're third party games. So they have Mario Sonic and the Olympic Games, which is a sort of third party. They have Sonic Lost World. They have Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate. They have like a lot. They have Gaming Wario, which we don't have. It's like a game for like every kind of person. Like, yeah, it's a much better deal. So I don't know why Nintendo is not doing that here, but it seems to be a Wait, trend. Is it third parties? Is it more the third party decision or Nintendo's decision? Nintendo's probably subsidizing the cost to the third parties. So, Nintendo. Mm. I mean, I don't think Capcom and Sega were like, yeah, just give our game away. That's fine. You could keep yeah. all the profit from your Mario Kart and we'll not take any money. It's cool. I'm sure Nintendo's paying them at least like two thirds of the price or something. Mm. But this is just like a, the latest in a weird trend with Europe, though. Like. I mean, we, we talked about before, you're bummed that we're not getting the Blue Shell Special Edition Mario Kart where you get, like, a statue of a Very sp- spiny shell. Very irked. Yeah, I'm kind of annoyed about it, too. But on top of that, like, in Europe, they also, uh, like, they're also yeah, getting... They're they get up. Super Mario Kart if they if they buy Super Mario Kart. There's some promotion with Mario Kart Wii. But Mario Kart also get little skins and Mario Hat, and you can also go Team Luigi or Team Mario. Well, that's if you buy the bundle through Nintendo Europe, Europe's website. It's still an option. Though. Yeah, it is. And, like, in Europe, for example, here in the States, we don't get a spiny shell. All we get is either a keychain if you pre-order at Target or a $10 gas card at Best Buy. Granted, a 10 free bucks is nice. But really, they get, like, a cool limited edition Nintendo collectible, and we get a MasterCard gas card. That doesn't seem fair. But, um... But what I was saying about Europe, though, is they're getting a bunch of other stuff, too, because they, um, you know, they had the Super Mario Brothers Deluxe promotion, where if you linked your 3DS to your Nintendo Network ID back when they rolled it out, they gave you a free copy of the Game Boy Color game on Virtual Console, just for no reason. We didn't get that. They, we got the Princess Peach Wiimote the other week. They got Princess Peach and Yoshi-themed Wii remotes. How come we didn't get Yoshi? What, what's America have against Yoshi? Or fourth player is going to have to play the regular Wii Remote. And they don't want to do that. I mean, honestly, what gives Nintendo of America Incorporated? Like, <laughs> anyway, get your act together. You guys used to be better at this. I will say, in the case of Yoshi, I can understand it. When I was at Best Buy picking up Mario Golf today, there were like 17 Yoshi Special Edition 3DSs just sitting there. And like five normal 3DSs. I'm like, no one likes the egg pattern, I guess. Hmm. But uh, but no, seriously, Nintendo. What happened? Is it I don't know why it used to be is good. Is that things like... The people here outnumber Europe so much that they don't need to do that? My suspicion is it's a mix of that. I think it's a mix of that and just, like, in Europe... They can, much, yeah, in Europe, they could probably be like, oh, yeah, we can't... T- the, the sales are lower in Europe. 
So they could be like, yeah, we can produce 20,000 blue shells for Germany and we're not going to run into a huge stock shortage. But when they did Ganondorf here in the U.S., remember how that went with the Zelda Wind Waker yeah. HD collection? You got one. But, like, they sold out pre-orders before they even officially started taking pre-orders. Like, it was it was a mess. So that might be why Nintendo's not doing it because they don't want to put that much money in. It's easier for Nintendo Europe because there's fewer people to deal with. But if they sell enough, won't it make, kind of make up for it? I mean... You would think. You would think. Oh. This one puzzles me. I don't get it. But, but yeah. But enough about Europe. That's pretty much it for Mario Kart. The Mario Kart 8 Direct. Like I said, we're not going to really talk about tracks, but we did cover pretty much all the news they covered. Um, I think that I think I'm just excited to play the game now. May 30th cannot come soon enough. Mario Kart. That's all I got to say about that. Ah, cool. All right. Now we did allude. <laughs> we did allude to uh, a lot of DLC that could come to Mario Kart and how Mario Golf is doing it. So we should probably touch on this. I know. I know. Last episode we said we're not going to talk about Mario Golf until we have our full impressions of the game, which are coming next episode. But then Nintendo decides, you know what? We're going to do something new. We're going to do day real, day one DLC. So now we have to talk about it because this is a big shift for Nintendo. And it's kind of a big deal. So what they announced was... Um, they will never release a, like a game. An incomplete game. Yeah, an incomplete but game. here's the thing. They're not exact. I mean, they are, but they're charging less. Like, first I'll explain how it works. Now I'll explain... I actually wrote an extra about this, which I'll plug in a minute. But So basically what they're doing is... Starting the day Mario Golf came out, May 2nd, you were able to download a $5.99 content pack, DLC pack, called the Mushroom Pack. Or sorry, the Mushroom Pass comes with two additional courses and Toadette as a playable character. Six bucks. Or, for $15, you can get this pack and basically guarantee that you will, when the time comes, also get the next two and final, as of now, DLC packs. The Flower Pack, which features Nabbit of New Super Luigi U, and a Watery Course and a Cake World Course. Or, or and, down the road, the Mushroom, uh, sorry, the Star Pack with... Rosalina, the new It Girl of the Mushroom Kingdom, and that will come with two new courses, a Galaxy-style course and a Candy World course. Not to be confused with the Cake World course. <laughs> so, um, it's like rock candy and, like, fluffy cakes are the two differences. Anyway, so that's what they're doing. You can either get six bucks a pop or 15 in total. And the thing was, they called the $15 one a season pass, not in the sense that Assassin's Creed calls it or Call of Duty calls it, where they're like, we're going to make all this DLC, just buy it. We promise it'll be coming, even though we haven't started it yet. And then and then I know Ubisoft, for example, canceled the DLC at one point. Uh, but it's a season pass because when you go to a golf club and you go for the summer, you can get a season pass. You get everything, um, um, you know, you get everything they put out for that time period. So here is a season pass. They've done it before. Fire Emblem Awakening, you could buy episodes of DLC in packs before the episodes were released, but they were done and ready to go. Nintendo just staggered them. It's different from a season pass that the other guys do, where it's like, we're going to take your money now and use that money to then build the DLC, but then we might not actually do the DLC, which is why the industry, you know, gamers mostly hate it. So I just want to clear that up. And that's actually something I touched so on. It's like kickstarter kind of? Sort <laughs> of. On a really tiny scale? Yeah, it's like a weird hack. It's like, a, it's like they... Do the season pass to gauge how much interest there there's, they keep the there is, and then they just yeah. do what they want with it. I mean, it's not as bad as I make it sound. Usually it pays off, but people don't like it because it, there's been issues. And this is totally different because it's done. It's already ready. But I touched on this in an extra. Because basically everyone on the internet, or not everyone, but a good chunk of people start flipping out going, Why is Nintendo doing day one DLC? Why is it like this? Like, they don't... Nintendo never has done day one DLC before, and it felt very un-Nintendo. But as you dig deeper, like I said about Fire Emblem, you realize it's not that different from what they've done. They've done content packs with discounts. They've done advanced purchasing. 
it's really not that crazy. And also, you're getting a lot of content. And this is, um, I mean, I've explained this in a lot of detail in the extra, which is called Stop Teeing Off at Mario Golf's DLC. See what I did there? Do you see what I did there? It was, it's a pun because teeing off is, yeah. So, for uh, shame. Uh, yeah, for, yeah. Four score and seven years. Nope. Anyway, uh, so I basically say in the article, just a bit is, the game comes with 126 holes to play across however many courses. Ten? That's more than any other Mario Golf has ever gotten. And they're charging $10 less than they do for other 3DS first party games. So for $10 less, you're already getting more content than you would get with any other Mario Golf. Then on top of that, if you want to pay $15 for a season pass, you get another 108 courses, which is about equal to the old to the other handheld Mario Golfs in terms of course and hole count. So, now for a total of $45, which is only $5 more than a standard 3DS game, you're now getting, essentially, one and two-third Mario Golf games for $5 more than a standard 3DS game price. Hmm. It seems like a good deal to me. The fact that they dropped the price at the beginning, so you're, getting, you're paying less up front, and then you, pay, you can kind of pay back for the other stuff. That seems reasonable to me. Yeah, and you get metal golden. Oh yeah, Mario. if you do season pass, you do get gold Mario, gold metal Mario, which makes it easy to get coins. Yep, which and coins are how you unlock things in the game, so that makes sense that you yeah. would want to use them. Or you buy things in the game. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I, in the article, I go into some other specu- you know, other details about like maybe why Nintendo's doing this. You know, their whole like experimenting with pricing phase they're going through. So uh, I do recommend, of course I recommend it, I wrote it, but I do recommend checking out the extra on the site. Once again, it's called Stop Teeing Off at Margolf's DLC. It's, uh, yeah, it's just kind of some interesting insight into this new strategy Nintendo's doing for DLC. And that's all, that's all we're going to say about that. We'll have full Margolf impressions in two weeks' time in our next episode, or less than two weeks, depending on when you listen to this. Or if you're listening to this in like five months from when we publish it, it happened like four and a half months ago, so you should go look back at that. Yeah. But whatever, however you're listening, that pretty much does it for Nintendo's first party news. Which was a lot of Mario. But there's also some third-party news. Um, some big, some small. Perhaps the most interesting to 3DS owners is that Theater Rhythm's coming back. Theater Rhythm, as you may recall, is the uh, Final Fantasy Rhythm game that Square Enix put out back in, what, 2012? Summer 2012 for the 3DS? Summer of Rhythm. Summer of Rhythm. That was our episode about it. And Wasn't that the name of the article? No, that was the episode. The, arc- the article was Rhythm Rundown. Yeah. Close. I, uh, Close, but no cigar. That's right. I wrote that one. I know, you should know <laughs> it. But the, uh, yeah, so the original game, for those who don't know, is basically, actually, for those who don't know, you should go check out the article you just mentioned, uh, Rhythm Rundown. He, Jose wrote a really good piece comparing two, at the time, brand new rhythm games, uh, Rhythm Thief from Sega and Theater Rhythm from, from uh, Square Enix, and they're different in a lot of ways, and they're kind of similar in a couple ways. They basically broke down the similarities and differences in which one's better, and the answer is they're both good. But, uh, yeah, Theater Rhythm, you like Theater Rhythm, right? Yeah, I love yeah it. we talked about it on the show, I remember. Never really played a Final Fantasy game, but I still enjoy this game. That's, that's, that, that shows you how good it was. Yeah, because I mean, it's cool because they break it into three different types of gameplay. So you have like the like the battles and the adventuring and the... I don't remember what the... Yeah, battles? like I said, it was like... It's split between like your Guitar Hero, your Elite Beat Agents, and your... Even simpler D-Beat agents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and that's staying intact for the new one, which it's already been out in Japan, but it's the Rhythm Final Fantasy Curtain Call is what they're calling it. And it's got, they're basically building on top of what they did. So literally. it's more of a, like, super Street Fighter for... No, it's more of... than that. It's the same game, but then it has a... I believe it's the same game, but then with a ton of new stuff on top of it. So now there's 221 songs that come baked into the cartridge. So like, it's like an Ultra Street Fighter 4. And then some. It's like, what they're doing... It, what they were saying in Japan when it came out, which we didn't cover at the time, is it's less of a game and more of a platform. 
they're not going to make future theater rhythm games. They're just going to keep releasing DLC for this one. So, like, this is, they're calling it the current call. It's the final physical game they're making. And then they're just going to keep doing DLC for it. So, it's like, this is it. This is our platform of theater rhythm, and we're just going to pump stuff out. So, you initially get, you have 221 tracks, over 60 different characters from all the different Final Fantasies are involved in one way or another. And there's new music from the newer games, you know, like Lightning Returns came out since the original, so that's in there, and they went back and got songs from games they forgot or they never room to include the first time around, or purposely left out so they could do a sequel, however you want to think about it. But uh, gameplay-wise, see, this is why I'm saying it's more than just like Super Street Fighter. Gameplay-wise, they're actually adding stuff as well. There's now a two-player duel dueling mode, which is different from the old multiplayer mode, I believe, where you're kind of just concurrently comparing scores. Like this one, you're actually going back and forth. And there's also... The ability, this is this is actually from the iOS version of the Rhythm, but they brought it over. Is an iOS version? There's an iOS version. It is a port of the original that they then added a new mode to, and now it's doubling back over to 3DS, oh. and that's... <laughs> oh! Mm-hmm. That's the uh, Quest Medley mode. Basically, how it was previously is you play the Rhythm, and it's like, oh, okay, you're going to play this song from this game now. Oh, you're done? Okay, go back to the menu, pick your next song. This one, you get to build your own adventure, so to speak. It could be different lengths, short, medium, long. It could string together a bunch of different songs and just go through them as an adventure. And like the cool those thing, books. like the Goosebump books. And the cool thing is, you can then share your custom, I guess you could call it a playlist, with other people. So you can build like this cool quest, super long quest of however many songs in whatever order. Basically, make a playable playlist. Playable as in gameplay wise, and playable as in music, as in you can play it. And uh, yeah, and then share it, which is actually kind of a really cool idea. Yeah. So that those are the big new features, and um, yeah, I'm just curious what they're gonna do when the 3DS is no longer is obsolete. They're gonna have to. Assuming this catches on, they can't keep their platform of the rhythm curtain call on Final Fantasy curtain call on a dead system. They're gonna have to make a new one at some point. Um, iOS, I guess. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting that they kept stressing it's a platform, it's a platform, it's a platform on a system that will eventually be obsolete. I wonder. No, I really don't know anyone that actually has it. I mean, the, the, the first, the first one, the first one. Well, besides me. Yeah. Don't um, you know yourself, Jose? Well, yeah, I do. <laughs> and I only really bought it for like three specific songs, and, like three really specific songs, and one song that was supposed to come out as DLC. And I ended up buying the wrong song because it had the same Oh, right, name. yeah. And then eventually the right song came out, and I have this extra song that I don't know. Well, I guarantee you're going to mix them up even more when there's 221 that come with the game and then countless DLC. Yeah, but I'm definitely not going to get that one because of that. I mean, I already know. I I already have the songs I know. Are you going to buy the game, though, or do you mean you're not going to buy the game or just that? The game, I guess. Oh, you you got your fix? Yeah, I mean... Unless reviews are, are like, astonishingly good. Yeah, because I only really knew those songs from that first But you said said when we were talking about the article from a few minutes ago that you liked it even not knowing the music. Oh, no, well, that's what, yeah, but, I mean, that was... But that was your motivation. I gotcha. I gotcha. Because, I mean, I went in going in, like, okay, I don't know, I'm not, I don't know, like, 60% of these songs, or maybe 70. Try, like, 85. Let's be realistic. You don't play Final Fantasy that much. No, but, I mean, I still hear a lot of the music. From True. Like, I okay. mean, like, their music is pretty iconic. Like, there's a lot of them that I'm well, sure yeah, you even heard iconic. it without even knowing what game it's I think from. I have a Final Fantasy soundtrack somewhere, which is weird, because I've only played, like, three of them. And those are, like, the Super Nintendo ones. Exactly. I'm a strange, strange man. Exactly. Okay, don't agree so quickly. <laughs> exactly, I'm glad you realized that, Jason. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that was one sequel announcement, but it's not the only sequel that was announced. There's also the return of Stay the... tuned. Oh, God. What? Yeah, because sequel for two. What did you say? Stay tuned. Oh, stay tuned. Well, you don't have to stay tuned, because we're about to say it right now. Remember the big toy invasion? Skylanders? 
and Disney Infinity, well, both of them, within eight days of each other, announced sequels. So, Activision and Disney have both announced brand new Skylanders and Disney Infinity. I think, I think yes. not. I'm sure they planned it. Actually, but what I find particularly interesting, because it's like, okay, sure, those games, they have, you know, it's an interesting concept, but we haven't really played either of them. We played Disney Infinity at Comic-Con, we talked about it, but we haven't really, like, you know, I don't know how much they match up with who listens to the show. But what I find interesting about this is how differently the companies are approaching their toys. Like, Activision and Disney have very clear, very opposite strategies of how they're expanding their NFC toy concept. And what I think is interesting about that is we know Nintendo is supposed to be announcing an E3, at E3 their own NFC thing. And are they going to take one of these approaches? Or is all this suggest maybe there's more possibilities? Maybe Nintendo will do something really crazy. So as such, I think it's worth mentioning what's new in Skylanders, what's new in Disney Infinity, specifically under the guise, or not under the guise, but under the, you know, for the reason of, here's what Nintendo could end up doing. Maybe they'll combine them in interesting ways, but the fact of the matter is, NFC is not as simple as how Pokemon Rumble you did, where it's like, put the toy down, it's in the game, you're done. Like, these yeah. are these are expanding on it. That was ways. essentially just their, like, can we get it to work? Yeah, that was their, like, <laughs> beta test, yeah. yeah. So first up is Activision, who they've adopted a strategy of modifying the Skylander toys each year while keeping the gameplay within Skylanders relatively the same. This year's no different. So for the newly announced Skylanders uh, track team, is what they're calling it, which, by the way, is going to be on everything from Wii U to Wii to 3DS to every other system known to mankind since the beginning of humanity including the Atari Lynx. Uh, <laughs> That's like a go-to system. Is it? I, yeah. I, I, it, don't I, it, it's been name-dropped every single fine, time. Fine, including the TurboGrafx-16. Better? Yeah. All right. Anyway, no, but uh, it comes out in October on all those systems. But what they're doing now is, uh, for this Skyliner, for Trap Team, they're making the portal a two-way street. It's not just your characters going into the game. It's now the characters coming out of the game into your toys. And I don't just mean, like, a simple, like, oh, you're moving your stats back. I mean, like, you get a... Like, there are 50 new toys. Some of them are Skylanders. Some of them are these husks of bad guys that I believe they call something, like, Trappers or... I don't remember what they're called. Probably Trappers. I think it was Trap Trap Masters. Trap Masters. So how it works is you're in the game, you're fighting a bad guy, and then you have the opportunity to basically capture the bad guy like a Pokemon and transfer him from the game into this little hollow husk of a toy. And then the toy, like, has a hologram illumination thing that, that, like, pops up in it. And then the portal that it's on actually has a speaker, much like a Wiimote does. And the bad guy will start shouting things out of the speaker. So you have, like... Yeah, exactly. So you have, like, your toys going into the game, and then these in-game characters who don't exist in the physical world are now coming back out into your toys. So they're making it... Like, it's an interesting twist on their own formula, I think. The gameplay is mostly the same. I love that teaser, how they're like, oh, I wonder what this one's for, and it's like the head of the main villain. Yeah, yeah. Invader's in. It's not Invaders. Well, the boys, but... Yeah, he, his name's Chaos, spelled with a K. Yeah, but... K-A-O-S. Because exactly C-H is so not cool. It's, it's so Invaders in. Yeah, it is. But, but uh, yeah, so I just find that super interesting how they're doing it. Like, gameplay-wise, the only thing that's changing is when you capture a bad guy, you can then send him in as one of your own, like, Skylander equivalent. You know, he's on yeah. your team at that point. But that's really, you know, at the end of the day, you're, it's still an action kind of smash him up. He's just another option. Now they just don't have to make more detailed figures. They could just get these little keys. Yeah. But more to the point, like, this is just the latest in... Like, Activision very clear is like, okay, when we're doing Skylanders, the toys are what matter. The game is secondary to the toys. Like, every year they change the toy, and the game's roughly the same. They did the Giants. The first sequel was Giants, where they just made big toys. But, of yeah. course, kids went nuts, because like, oh my god, I can have, like, a super version of my favorite. Then they did uh, Swap Force last year, where the toys had interchangeable parts, which was kind of creative, and that led to all sorts of customization in-game. But, at the, again, the game was just the means to the end of the toy, really. Yeah. 
And now this year they have the going back and forth thing, which is kind of new. On the flip side, you have Disney, who just announced their own Disney Infinity 2.0 Marvel Superheroes for Wii U, both Xboxes, both PlayStations, not Wii and DS. The sequel will not be coming to those systems. And what's notable with this one, besides the what the mouthful of the name implies, which is that it has Marvel Superheroes, is that... Uh, it's the gameplay they're changing. The toys are kind of the same. So they're adding Marvel superheroes, and they're going to start with Avengers and branch out from there. They'll have Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man, etc., etc. They're going to make a new starter pack that comes with new toys. All the all the Marvel characters are stylized in that kind of polygonal-looking... So much the same universe. Yeah, yeah. It, they look really cool, honestly. Like, I kind of like the look. I mean, it's I'm not going to like go, I want to see an Avengers movie with those characters versus the real ones, but... The, the real ones like they're a real thing in real life but uh, <laughs> i only want when i see robert Downey jr walking down the street it's obviously really iron man but uh it does look a lot like um the comic book version of him yeah even without like yeah they stripped out a lot of the like yeah. red and like beige that the latest iron man suit has. oh no i meant like how he does like the person oh the oh person looks like the actual even when he's not like in character are you trying to say robert Downey jr looks like tony stark yeah, I guess I just... That's a really movie. roundabout way of saying that. He does. He does. Yeah, because... I don't know. Whatever. I never, and, I never yeah. came to be a, a Marvel person, even if Iron Man is, like, such a common household name now. Yeah. I Honestly, <laughs> before Iron Man came out, I did not expect it to be a success. Same with Captain America. I was like, what, can yeah, he, he what really do these heroes have? Yeah, they, they never really seemed like interesting But the movies are good. The new Captain America is so good. The Winter Soldier, super good. Anyway, back to Disney Infinity. So they're going to have new star... Like I was saying, they're going to have new star sets with the new figurines, and they're going to have the discs. The power discs are back to give enhanced abilities, and they're also introducing a new type of disc called the what is it called? The toy bar. I had it. The toy... No, wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't hurt yourself. Wait, no, I'm already way beyond hurt. Toy box game disc. Because here's the big new hook. Yes, they have a new disc, but you know what? It's the same piece of plastic, the same chip. They're just programming it differently and sticking a different sticker on top. In terms of the toys, you're getting the exact same stuff just now. They're Marvel same characters. Portal? I believe so. The because and I say that because all the original Disney Infinity stuff is backwards compatible with the new one, not the game disc, but the portals, the toys, your toy box content, your custom content, you can port over everything from the save file. Everything transfers. It's all compatible, which makes you think the portal has to be the same. And I don't remember them announcing a different one. But even if they did, the toys aren't changing. Yes, they're Marvel characters, but there's no new feature in the toy. What's new is what the toys do in the game, which again is the opposite of how Activision approaches it, where the game is just there to assist the toys, this one the toys there to assist the game. And in this case, those game discs I mentioned, toy box is getting blown apart in all sorts of interesting new ways. You can now build your own game genre, like establish game genres within the world. For example, they said that with these game discs you can unlock the ability to do um, dungeon crawlers, tower defense game, there's already racing games in the past one and like platformery stuff. Yeah. They're really making it almost like a little big planet Disneyfied, NFC enabled little big planet now. Yeah. Which is super cool. But again, it's so different from how Skylanders is approaching well, NFC. Yeah, of course. But it's just, it's so, it's interesting that the exact same technology is being used in totally different ways. Yeah. I, like, they're both, yeah, you're putting stuff into the game. But one, the game is the marketing <laughs> for the toy, and the other, the toy is the marketing for the game. It brings a new meaning to the word playtime. I don't know why. What? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't know. As you, as you were like, as you were describing like these new ways that the toys are being used, in my head, I was just picturing it like, man, like kids have it like so good nowadays. Like, dude, if I was a kid, like, I'd like, be obsessed I, I, with I, I, these. It's like, oh, they go to the toy store, they buy this toy, but then they actually get to play with the toy in this video game world, and like, it's like a new level of interacting. And then, yeah, that's when, like the tagline, like, oh, it's a whole new means to the word playtime. And then I just, I don't know, I just thought that was funny. It's just, I was... all new ways to play. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, there was no pun there. No one said anything about no, time. No, it, it made no sense. <laughs> it wasn't a pun. It was just like a cheesy tagline. Yeah. A whole new way to play with Disney Infinity and Skyland. Available now at your local Toys R Us, Target, Walmart, Kmart, etc. etc. The possibilities are infinite. The possibilities are infinite. Possi- uh, the sky <laughs> is not the li- the sky is not the limit because the possibilities are infinite. Skylanders plus Disney Infinity crossover coming soon. Brace yourself, parents. You're about to lose thousands of bucks. Uh, no, but it's just I just find it really fascinating that like if I was a kid, I'd be obsessed with these. I would have all of them. I guarantee it. Like the way I was obsessed with Pokemon, this is like Pokemon on steroids. Like it's insane. Like I would totally be into it. But I just find, I really find even as like a twenty. 25 as of the day after this podcast goes up as a 25 24 soon to be 25 uh gamer i just find it interesting what the technology can do and what that means for what nintendo's gonna do because now we're seeing it's gonna change overnight what your mindset's gonna change oh you think between the day this goes up and the next day i'll be like between the day of your birthday yeah that's the day after this podcast goes up so if anyone wants to tweet me a happy birthday i'll be on twitter I saw like I could not be on Twitter. Just sitting by the phone. I'll just be sitting there at my phone, just like, birthday, birthday. Hey, Linkin Park's releasing a song on my birthday. They love me. Uh, wow, this is a tangent. What was I starting to say? Give me a Oh, yeah, I'm curious what in town's going to do. That's what I started to say. Because I think that, like, if they could combine these ideas of evolving gameplay and evolving the toys, but somehow do it where it's not just one or the other, which seems to be these approaches, if they somehow bridge those or do something totally different, Nintendo could get a, a whole, like, corner of the market. Combining what Nintendo was known for with what they're known for now. Yeah. If Nintendo could combine what they do with the other stuff they do to make a new thing they do that's based on the old things they do, I think they can do great things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's my that's my spiel on uh, NFC games and toys. Thank you for indulging me, dear listeners. I don't know how, how relevant it is to you. I just find the whole thing... Like, I just... I'm a technology bus, so the fact that there's all these different things I just find really interesting. Uh, but... That's not all in terms of sequel news. There was one more thing we want to touch on. Like, I was indulged about NFC toys, and now Mr. Ace Attorney fan over here, Jose, gets to be indulged about Ace Attorney. We got a bit more information. Not quite enough to really piece together what the game's about, but we now know that the next Ace Attorney game is actually the kickoff of a brand new series called The Great Ace Attorney. It's going to be a spinoff. Some sort of different gameplay that they're not saying. What they are saying, though, is that the game is going to be set in a totally different era. Instead of being contemporary, it's going to be set in Japan's Meiji, is that how you say it? Meiji? Meiji? Sure. Era, <laughs> which is from 1868 through 1912. So this is going to be retro, retro, retro. This is going to be like steampunk-ish, if steampunk was actually real. I, I don't know. They haven't really said, but it's a brand new protagonist. It's like the grandfather of Phoenix, right? Brand new storyline, yeah, brand new girl it. character. No idea what the gameplay is, but... Which, I don't know, this is just me, but like... As soon as um they said like oh this is like a like a, the like an ancestor of Phoenix right like I don't know it just kind of undermined a little what made Phoenix kind of special in the first game it's, oh it's, yeah it's, yeah it's, it's kind of like the whole like he, harness this power that apparently is just his yeah because it's like oh it was just his destiny to be a great um a great defense uh, attorney yeah. instead of it just happening because of like the turn of events like he was never planning to going into law like that wasn't even like something he wanted to do it right. just kind of happened. Right. Or it's... Yeah. It was his destiny. Yeah, well, now it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it just makes it a little less... I mean, obviously, not, I'm not going like, to not get the, the game. game. I mean, it, it just... Like, little side note. It's kind of like how... Like, to make it relevant. Like, a lot of people really loved um, Spider-Man's origin story because, like, oh, he was just some kid that like, happened to get bitten by that spider. Now... Until Amazing Spider-Man's, like... Yeah, now it's... Or... He was always meant to be Spider-Man. So it's like... Oh, yeah. It kind of takes a lot away from the character somewhat. Well, more yeah. to him than it does to, to Phoenix because... I mean, 
Oh. It changes yeah. Spider-Man completely. Yeah. It, it, Man, what a messed up dad he has. You know what? I'm going to give my kid a crazy life. I'm going to have him be bit by radioactive spiders. And then he's going to become a hero. And then he may or may not lose loved ones. Yeah, because that, like, 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 yeah, that one changes the plot of Spider-Man. You're screwing up your kid's life. For... He's all emo because of you. Well, he'd be emo anyway. He's a teen. But yeah, crazy, crazy Papa Parker. Oh. <laughs> I don't know his name. <laughs> <laughs> Papa Parker, I assume. <laughs> Yeah, but in Ace Attorney, I mean, it's not going to change anything. We just have to see. I mean, uh, time I mean, will tell. I'm curious what the gameplay mechanic is going to be. Is okay. it going to be that different, or are they just kind of overhyping it? I I don't know. I feel like it's going to be pretty much exactly the same, except it's just yeah. going to be like, oh, this is the equivalent of this. <laughs> it's going to be like, remember the, the Cyclock? Well, instead, now you're reading palms of people or something. Yeah, I don't know. I'm you're detecting like, I mean, their I'm, pulse. I mean, like, sto- like story-wise, like, I wonder if it would, like, touch into that whole, like... Um, the whole Faye family thing of it's like, gonna have to yeah because I mean, if it's following the same characters it has to fit into the Faye lineage situation yeah even though like this assistant character wasn't last named Faye if I remember correctly yeah they just said she's a new girl and had some yeah so it's like names. oh I, I guess she's like the new Maya and I wanna know how they're all related to Tina Sorry, that was a super lame joke. I'm just going to see myself out. It's been it's been a good podcast. I'll see you guys. No. Uh. <laughs> I just got it. <laughs> you just got that? Right. How'd you not get the Tina Fey joke when I said it? <laughs> because if anything said Tina, I was thinking Bob's Burgers Tina. Oh, no, no, no. Well, if we're talking about Fey, yeah. something would be to go with Tina Fey. Well, I wasn't like the huge Dirty Rock fan. You watched, you just marathoned it like a month ago. What's two a month ago, ago? Two months ago. Three months ago. Since 2014 started. So in the last five months. I was Don't you like how I went from in the last four weeks to the last five months? Well, I was fond of it, but not like enough to, I guess, have her name on standby. <laughs> oh, I always have Tina Fey on standby. Amy Poehler as well. Uh, just, well, we're polar opposites. I guess so. Uh, if she was still married to Will Arnett, I probably could figure out some Arnett pun, but meh. Uh, yeah, I, so. I, I got nothing. Before this devolves into just naming random. Will we go on? Yes. Because before this evolves into naming random NBC X SNL cast members uh, and their former spouses, uh, we should probably talk about Nintendo things. So we've touched on the big uh, first party news, we touched on the big third party news, and of course the trifecta isn't complete until we talk about indie news. So with that said, there are two indie games we wanted to mention, as well as a general observation about the indie scene. I think the cracks are starting to show a little in Nintendo's indie facade, so to speak. So first let's talk about the games. Uh, probably the one that got the most headlines was a game called Stealth Inc. 2, which uh, was original, which is a sequel to a PlayStation indie darling called Hel- it's called Stealth Inc. Logically enough, it's on Vita and PS3, and it got really good reviews. It's a puzzle platformer. You go through 80 different levels. You're just kind of it's it's all about stealth, so it's 2D, but you're like dodging enemies, dodging beams of light, just kind of sneaking around. You have occasional gadgets to use to help you, but not really. It's kind of like Super Meat Boy. Like, there's, um, you're just going level to level, and if you die, you go straight back to the start of level, and there's, like, a time limit, so you have to move kind of quickly, and it's just, like, kind of intense. It's like the action platforming of Super Meat Boy or other type of games, but it's focused on stealth instead of just blasting through it as quick as you can, Yeah, if that makes sense. So, now, for the sequel, it's going to be a Wii U exclusive, and that's what generated headlines. Everyone's like, how could this PlayStation game come to Wii U? What are these developers thinking? What is wrong with them? Why would they do this? What they don't seem to so realize... Is that like the Bayonetta thing? No, Nintendo's not... Nintendo's not directly paying for this. They just said, hey guys, do you want to make Stealth Inc. for Wii U? We'd love it. We'd like it on PlayStation. And they're like, why don't we just make you a dedicated sequel? And they're like, okay. <laughs> now, everyone's like, why would they do that? Well, it. few people seem to realize the developers are Curve Studios. 
Curve Studios are the makers of Nintendo's own Fluidity on WiiWare and its sequel, Fluidity Spin Cycle, on the 3DS eShop. In, in other words, yeah, it's, it's a good game. In other words, these guys were originally with Nintendo, then they went to PlayStation, and now they're just kind of coming home to Nintendo. So everyone that doesn't understand why they're doing this, they have connections with Nintendo, and if Nintendo says, can you make us a game, they're not going to say no. They have a good working relationship with them. Oh, gosh, it's by a Wii U. Yeah, like, just, just go buy a Wii Go spend 300 or 330 if you're getting the Mario Kart bundle on uh, this system for this game, PlayStation fans. Never mind the other games on the system. If you want Stealthing 2... That's like gonna be like ten or fifteen dollars. You obviously go spend three hundred thirty in order to have the privilege of spending ten to fifteen. It's common sense, right? Yeah. But no, the the other reason they're bringing it over. This is actually I find really interesting and oddly true. Um, they're bringing it over because they can get more attention this way. If they release it on PlayStation, there's so many indie games and so many third party games and so much coverage of other games. They're gonna get swallowed up in like the you know no one's gonna know about it. Yeah. On Wii U, it's like every indie game that comes out pretty much like gets is a my big deal. Yeah. We talk about all of them. We are guilty of this, and I'm fine with admitting that. We like to talk about the highlight, in, like the good indie games worth mentioning. The thing is, there's an, a, a limited number of them, so we're basically mentioning every indie game. And if you need any more proof of this, um, like without going into any detail, like the game that we're talking about today, um, Stick It to the Man, I didn't know it existed until it was brought into the Nintendo Spotlight. And then when I looked it up, I'm like, what? It's been on Steam for like. Hey, I told you, we talked about it on the po- Oh, we talked about it after. That's right. I saw Stick It to the Man. I saw tweets about it and Go Nintendo posts about it, and I was like, I don't know what this is. And I just scrolled past it. Like I was like, they were like, oh, it's it's just getting announced, and I was like, oh, it's probably kickstarted. I will cover it when time comes. Then Nintendo announces, yeah, it's coming out, so we covered it, and now here we are, six weeks later at most, and it's out. Like that would not work on PlayStation. You wouldn't do that. They would just fall into like a void of no coverage. So by bringing Stealthing Two to the Wii U, they automatically got coverage, and it worked. They were on Joystick, CVG, IGN, tons of sites were doing interviews and coverage. Yep. So, so what is it? Because we're only talking about it because it, you know, it's on Nintendo now, so exclusive. So what is it? Well, it's a lot like the first one in the sense that you're getting a whole bunch of uh, little, what they call, uh, what was the term they use? Missions? They're not missions. They use like Test Lab or something like that. I had it. Maybe I don't. Well, never mind. Why am I so bad at Test Chambers? I had to dig oh, through my like notes portal. here. Portal. Yeah, like por- Portal. So in the original game, you just went Test Chamber or Test Chamber. In this one, they're connecting them all with an overarching like metroidvania map of sorts so there's no time limits anymore if you're stuck on level you can just leave and go to a different level and you just kind of walk around and throughout the game you're getting more gadgets than before and these gadgets will power you up to complete certain things and do certain things in these test chambers so it's basically metroidvania but instead of just working through the map you're going into specific rooms and doing specific challenges so it's kind of a hybrid of their old setup and like a very commonly (laughs) done indie game style of metroidvania but it it i mean it, it should be cool the original game got really good reviews so and they only made the first game in three months and got those good reviews so the yeah. fact that they're now really putting time and effort into a sequel and doing everything they want to do with the first one like the metroidvania map and more gadgets that do more things so you're not just running you're not just sneaking through a level you're using tools to your advantage like that it's a more fleshed out game and for Wii, and because it's exclusive to wii u they're doing a co-op mode that uses the gamepad which is kind of cool and they're also um well, I guess this one isn't quite so much. This one isn't quite so much exclusive because of Wii U. Darska, I guess it is. Darska have a level editor, which I assume will use the touchscreen. So you can sh- edit levels, share levels, and do co-op, all presumably with the gamepad, which is why partly why they decided just do a full-fledged sequel at oh. Nintendo's request. So that's Stealthing Two. Uh, no date that I'm aware of, but it's one to keep an eye on simply because of the developer's pedigree. I mean, you like uh, fluidity, so. 
And they say, you liked fluidity. Spin cycle. 3DS. Why'd you say it was a good game a few minutes ago? Didn't we talk about it on the show? Well, no, I enjoyed the demo. Oh, the demo. You liked the demo of fluidity. I wasn't wrong. I mean, I ended up getting um, that other game that's kind of similar on the Wii U, but it's Cuddle. Yeah. That's a different developer. That's Neko Entertainment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but Fluidity, it's it's a good game. It didn't sell that great, but it got great reviews. So here we are. These guys are now doing, like, their pe- passion project, and it should hopefully be good. Yeah. It's worth keeping an eye on simply because Nintendo believes in them. If Nintendo believes in it, you should too. Yeah. This game definitely won't be getting a stealth launch. Well done. The other game we're going to talk about is uh, kind of the opposite of a 2D puzzle platformer, Metroidvania, in the sense that it... It's also now becoming a bit of an indie game trope that's being overdone, but it's not there yet. And this is Infinity Runner. So, uh, just in case the subtleness of being, you know, all stealthy wasn't your thing, they prefer to maybe just run full force, like, straight down a corridor, running away from werewolves in space. Not making this up. Werewolves in space. This is your game. So basically, they're, they're describing it as kind of a mix of, uh, Mirror's Edge and Mass Effect. So it's the gameplay of Mirror's Edge. First person parkour, but you're on a track. So it's like a it's like a free runner, like an endless runner, but going into the screen instead of left to right. So yeah, so you're like on a track of sorts, but you're doing reflex stuff like jumping, hit attacking enemy, you have to fight enemies, so you do like button combos, fight werewolves in space, you know. Usual stuff. Werewolves in space, totally normal. Uh, so, uh, you're going through that, and it's, it all takes place in the world's large, or the largest spaceship in space. The largest ship in space. And you're a prisoner on that ship, and you're trying to escape, so you go through 14 levels of this running. So it's not really infinity. It's actually quite finite. It's not infinite. So the title's a lie. It should really be finite runner. (laughs) But, uh, but there is a multiplayer mode. You have boundaries. This is probably where the infinity comes in. Because there's a multiplayer mode. You see how long you can run compared to the other racers, and the other racers, there are 32 of them. It's a thir- or 31. It's a 32-player online mode, Whoa. which is kind of insane. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's probably where the Infinity comes in, and that's what makes me interested in it, is the fact that it's 32 people, and it's kind of different. So, judging from the trailer, I mean, it does, it does look a lot like uh, Mass Effect in terms of style. It's that sort of sci-fi. And it does look a lot like Mirror's Edge in terms of gameplay. It's definitely, like, you see the hands, you see them, like, grabbing ledges, and you know, ducking through doors. It's very similar. But it's still, it still looks pretty cool. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm interested in it for the same reason I was interested in Hover Revolt of Gamers. You remember that game we talked about episode two ago? It's the Jet Set Radio slash Mirror's Edge game where you're like parkouring. Oh, Sunset it's Boulevard? Sun- it looks like Sunset, Sunset Boulevard a little. Re- Hover Revolt of Gamers. Yeah. We talked about it. Yeah. 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 You gave me this look. I was like, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it got fun. It got fully funded on Kickstarter. Little did we know when we first talked about it, it wasn't even on Kickstarter yet, so we assumed they were developing it themselves, and then like the next day they put it on Kickstarter. I'm like, well, we covered that too early. But now it's funded. It, meet, it met two stretch goals already, so they're good. But this is a lot like that. Like They're both kind of like 3D, action-y, like, very quick reflex indie games, which are few and far between. Most indie games, like we've always said, are like 2D, puzzle platformery, slow-paced, methodical. Methodical? Methodical, thank you. And very, like... Oh, we won't tell you the story. You'll learn the story through the gameplay oh, man. and stuff like Imagine that. Bishop Danbury. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of those games are really good, and some of them will be really good, but they're just falling into a bit of a. They're getting a bit too common. Yeah, that's the new safe. It is. Yeah. Which is fine because it used to be the like edgy new thing, and now it's just safe. Yeah, people want innovation, but they're wanted don't. Yeah. 
Yep. Now, now that's the first issue with indie games is that they're falling into that little. Uh, to, they're kind of too conventional. The other issue, and this is specific to Nintendo, and I kind of alluded to this already, is that there are cracks beginning to show in the like facade of Nintendo's uh, indie like indie setup, I guess. So, I mean, if you look at the indie scene in general for the eShop, uh, we have been praising it a lot. We have been pointing out everything Nintendo's done right. They've done reach out. They've reached out in numerous ways. They've been at Indiecade. They've they dug the free. They've done the free Unity engine. They've done the free Nintendo Web Framework. They're doing additional engines. Like they do a lot, and they're really and they're really getting out there and being like, "Hey, Indies, come to us, come to us." But it's not really working beyond that as well as Nintendo probably hoped. I mean, out of the, do you remember there's supposed to be like sixteen indie games that were gonna hit the Wii U in March and April? It's now May. Guess how many of those sixteen came out in March and April? One? Zero. Not really? even one. Zero. Nintendo World Report actually did a great article, which we linked to on the blog post for this episode, where they uh, they basically listed out every single game that got delayed, and they contacted every developer and got reasons why. And essentially, the takeaway for all of them was the developer going, Man, this development thing is a lot harder than it seems. We're, getting, we're a little behind. There's more work than we expected. Yeah, it happens. Which is fine. Nothing against the developers. That's understandable. They're new talent. They're new studios. They're getting their feet wet. They're figuring it out. Along the way, they're going to run into problems. That's perfectly fine. The issue is, it looks bad for Nintendo because they kept saying, yes, we're going to have all these indie games. And then one by one, they got delayed. That's number one. And number two, it doesn't help that apparently the Unity engine that Nintendo's providing dev kits for is buggy. Nintendo's been pumping out you know, been pumping up this engine. Like, hey, check this out. This is the greatest thing. It's free. It's free to use. Apparently, it doesn't work as smoothly as Nintendo likes to advertise. Uh, you know Emily. Ro- you know Emily Rogers. Uh, she's like this on Twitter. She's uh, she's like an unofficial liaison. Foster's for- home. Cartoon yeah, character? yeah. Oh. She's the she's like an unofficial liaison between indie developers and Nintendo. Like she knows a bunch of people on Nintendo's indie outreach program. She knows a bunch of developers. A bunch of developers contact her. She got games like Armillo off the ground and that sort of on Wii U and that sort of thing. Uh, so she's in the know, and she just tweeted, yeah, it's not surprising, something along the lines of, yeah, it's not surprising, the Unity engine is actually pretty buggy at this stage. It's been over a year. Like, I understand, you know, these sort of things take time to iron out the kinks, but if Nintendo's going to be pushing this hard about Unity, and then having developers give them hard release dates, only to then have Unity be the cause of their problems, even if developers are saying, shucks, this development thing's not what it seems. Like, obviously Unity's, for the Unity-powered games at least, that's obviously playing a role. So it just seems like this, you know, Nintendo could have approached this a little better, maybe, somehow. I'm not sure how. But it's definitely not the rosy, perfect world that Nintendo was trying to paint it as, or that we have been under the assumption it has been. It's a little, it's a little more normal, real world. And of course, at the end of the day, I'd rather have a delayed game or 16 games, then uh, no game, you know, then no, not a good game. But it's, yeah. just, it's just kind of a bummer that Nintendo is like, this is going to be what we're filling our spring with, and then none of it came out, and most of it doesn't even have release dates. Armello, I think, is the only one that has a release date. Yeah, currently. literally because of that, we had an even more noticeable drought. Yep. Yep. Luckily, Nintendo's been pumping out their own eShop stuff on 3DS, so we've had stuff to cover in the podcast and talk about and play, but there hasn't been any, like, major indie games Armello's gonna be the first and we will be covered we will be giving it its own episode later in May later this month but yeah that's just that's just one thing that um, kind of was nagging me about the indie scene right now the bigger issue I think though is that as I said Nintendo's been going out quite heavily and quite well and going like hey guys come to our thing 
Look, look what we got. Look, 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 look. We have this engine. We have that engine. Just come develop for us. It'll be great. Problem is, once they do that initial outreach, that's all they do. They're not really going to company to company, supposedly. And they're supposedly not really making themselves accessible to developers. They're just like, yes, come to us. Go to developers.intel.com, fill out the form. We'll be in touch. It'll be great. But they don't, like, have a dialogue, really. And what brings this up is there's a uh, Gamma Sutra article by an indie developer who has interviewed the head of every indie department for all three com- or tried to. He did Sony. He did Microsoft. He tried to talk to Dan Edelman, uh, or Edelman, or however you say his name, of Nintendo, who used to be a pretty public presence on Twitter for Nintendo's indie scene. He would be tweeting about new game releases. He'd be answering questions. You know, people would reference him for for articles and whatnot. Like, oh, he said this, or oh, he gave this interview explaining this program. And he's still at Nintendo. He's still doing everything that he can, but Nintendo's kind of silenced him. They won't let him... According to this article from Ganesutra, they won't let him post to Twitter anymore because hmm. he apparently once made an offhand remark of, I do wish the, D- the 3DS was not region-locked. And they're like, eh, Nah, you can't say something different than our company line. So Nintendo Corporate's now saying you need to stick to our corporate message, which means no personal tweets, which means for interviews like this with Ganesh Sutra, we don't want you to do it because we want to control the message going out. We don't want Ganesh Sutra coming to us and say, we want to talk about indie. What can you tell us? We want to say, we want to tell you about indie, which is interestingly how they've been approaching the indie scene for the past year. It's all, look what we have. Come see what we have. We will show you what we want, not, oh, you have a game you want to show us? We would be happy to take a look. It's the other way around. It's you. Here's why you should bring your game to us, not why should we try and help you make your game for us. So that kind of a problem because Sony and Microsoft both do that. They both go out actively and say, "Hey, you should. This game looks interesting. Have you thought of doing this with our engine?" Or Nintendo's just like, "Here's the engines. Here's how they work. <laughs> Have fun." At least that's what this guy's saying. Now it's like the whole like, if we build it, they will come. Yeah, but kind of. Kind. It, that's exactly what it is. And it's not quite working. Now the the problem with this whole analysis, it's a minor problem, kinda, is we have heard stories where Nintendo has actively reached out to developers and actively said, "Develop this for us. We'll help you." Chasing Aurora wasn't going to be a Wii U launch title. To Nintendo approached Broken Rules and said, "Guys, you should make this for Wii U." We just talked about Stealth Inc. Nintendo approached uh, the developers at Curve and said, "Guys, you should make this for Wii U." Like, they are doing it for some... Guys! Guys! Hey, guys! Guys, guys. remember that game where you made water droplets? That was fun. You want to make your new one for us, please? But, uh, yeah, it's... So there's clearly some outreach. I think the issue is there's just not enough. Like, it's very strange that the guy who's supposed to be the contact and liaison for indies is unable to talk to indies on social media and is unable to give interviews where he explains why indies would want to talk to him. He can only do what Nintendo Corporate says, yes, this is what we want you to talk about at this location at this time. So, hopefully Nintendo loosens up those restrictions. They were doing such a great job, I thought. And, it, and like I said, they are still reaching out to some people. There's just much more they can do. And especially when their third-party support's this low, they should really just open the floodgates and let anyone contact them for any reason on any medium. Hmm. At least that's my two cents. But it's just kind of a weird thing, because we've been, we've been pretty much gushing about Nintendo's indie upswing in the past, I don't know, year of episodes. It's kind of a U-turn. It's not a full U-turn. It's still way better than it was. It's I mean, left turn. It's like a, it's like there's a pothole in the road, and Nintendo decided to go a block out of the way to avoid it. But they'll eventually get back to the main street. They decide, you know, I, I don't trust that pothole. It's like that sinkhole in Baltimore that just happened. They're like, I'm going to go around it. Too soon? Might be too soon. Did you see that video of the sinkhole in Baltimore? I did not. The, cur- the road just starts curling inward into the earth. Like, just someone just got a video of, like, cars just slowly. Like, it looks like someone's rolling a carpet up from below the street, and it's just, like, rolling into the earth. It's insane. Sounds kind of cool, but... I mean, cool if no one's hurt, yeah. but... It, it was 
fascinating to watch. That's how you stay politically correct on that subject. But um, but yeah, no, I don't think this is like a huge hindrance to Nintendo's indie per- indie uh, indie scene or indie prospects. I think it's just we're becoming a little bit more aware of the reality of it. It's not all happy-go-lucky. It's you know, you know what it is? It's like the Smash Bros. N64 commercial where all the characters are skipping along through the meadow happily, and then you start beating each other up. This is like at the end where they're done beating each other up, but they're not quite back to the skipping along happily. They're just walking awkwardly. They're just, next they're to just each awkwardly other. walking next to each other, like, do we hold hands again? How's this work? Is it too soon to hold hands? Are you still mad at me? I don't, I don't know what to do. That's where we're at. Mario did start it. What? Mario did start it. Mario did start it. That's true. He tripped Donkey Kong. I think it was Yoshi. He tripped Yoshi. How could he trip Yoshi? All Yoshi does is exist to serve him as a horse, essentially. It was a reminder. Is a reminder who's the boss? <laughs> Yoshi's getting too big for his britches. He's in his own games. Is Mario going? You think I'll let you remember walk next where, to me? <laughs> remember where you rank. You do what I say, Yoshi. That's all I got. <laughs> anyway, on happier news from the indie thing. So once again, I don't think the indie thing is necessarily bad. It's just like I said, the cracks are showing a little. Like they they should just cock them back up, or whatever you do with cracks, re-cement them. I don't know. Cock. Cock. Yeah, C A L K. Like caulking. Like oh. for showers. Caulking. Yeah. Talking. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you were thinking something else. Right. Something that might pertain to the episode number more than anything else, because it's episode... Well, everyone knows what episode number it is. Oh, anyway, it. on to the oh. next topic. Well, uh, I'm go- I, well, it was only because I think you misheard me. mind out of the gutter. It's usually is. Um, well, you see, the problem is, when Nintendo made that detour around the pothole, they ended up driving through the gutter, so it's not my fault. That was a callback to my other joke. So Nintendo announced their E3 plans. <laughs> <laughs> In a really uh, weird um, Mega 64 video. Oh my god, that was the crazy... It's five minutes long. They got re- they got all the Nintendo people to act, which was kind of cool. They got Reggie to act like an They idiot. killed a woman. They killed a poor woman with Reggie's laser eyes. That was the first time I ever thought I'd have to say that sentence. They killed a poor woman there with There is a first time for everything. There is a first time for everything. Also, Reggie, Robo Reggie's voice was literally just Tomodachi's voice software. I don't know if you noticed. Uh, I, thought was, I, thought, I thought it was just generic. Um, nope, they did, they did it through Tomodachi Life. I recognized it. Because I'm right. that much of a nerd, yeah. Uh, so they did announce E3 plans. They did it through this awesome Mega 64 video, which got really like pretty well praised across the web. Like It was a clever approach for Nintendo to announce all their big E3 plans. And here's what the plans were. There's four parts. The biggest surprise is that there's going to be a huge Super Smash Bros. for Wii U invitational tournament going on at the Nokia Theater here in L.A., uh, during E3. Now, normally the Nokia Theater is where they used to hold their press conference. So, um, what they're doing this year is they're going to fly out 16 of the top players, bring them to the Nokia Theater, and then have thousands of fans. This thing has thousands, capacity for thousands. Thousands of fans will be able to go to the event, see the tournament, presumably play demos, because I imagine they'll have kiosks. That's not confirmed yet, though. And just, like, hang out at, like, a giant Smash Bros. tournament. An officially sanctioned Smash Bros. tournament. It's the first, like, com- super competitive... Nintendo did a tournament in 2010, like the Wii Nintendo Summer was, Games. It's like Nintendo the current to the Capcom Cup. Yeah. Just It's like the Nintendo World Championship. Back, yeah, at least it just, might become annual. Maybe. But it's basically like the Nintendo World Championship from 1990. But, no, yeah, it's definitely more yeah. like that thing. Yeah, yeah so um, now the thing is, the Nokia Theater, like this is big. The Nokia Theater is a huge venue here in LA. It's at LA Live. They host all sorts of stuff there. MTV Movie Awards, MTV VMAs. American Music Awards, Billboard Awards, I believe, are there. Uh, the Grammy nomination concerts there. There, it's like when you see an award show on TV, eighty-five percent chance it's at the Nokia Theater. Like this is a big venue that you can really customize a stage for and go all out and spend a ton of money. So clearly, Nintendo's putting a lot of 
effort into this if they're using that theater. It's also, like I said, where they hold their press conferences. And if you remember the press conference with the digital fireworks when they uh, in 2012 where they announced Nintendo Land. That was sick. It was so <laughs> sick, bro. It was gnarly, bro. But if, as you may recall, that's a big venue. And if you all, as you also may remember, everything was screens. Like they were able to change the entire set to look like yeah, leaves really and stuff. Cool. Like the Mario Kart Seven thing. And the that's Star what they're Fox working with. Yeah, that's cool. That's the exact space they're working with for the tournament. So imagine that all tournament, all Smash Bros, all fans there, not just like media people. It's gonna be crazy. They didn't announce when it will be, but I have a feeling it'll be not during E three hours, probably in the evening. Yeah. So we'll see. Of course, we're gonna try and go and we'll cover it for you both on the site and in the podcast if we can get in. And for those not in LA, Nintendo's offering a solution as well, and that's that they're gonna be back at Best Buy. Last year they brought four demos to Best Buy. This year they're bringing one, but it's a good one: Super Smash Bros for Wii U. They're calling it Smash Fest. It'll take place sometime during the week of E three. They haven't announced locations or dates or times, but it will be Smash Bros. Playable yeah. nationwide. Hopefully with more than one kiosk, because last year the one kiosk thing, the line took three hours to go through. We yeah. got there early, but the people that got there when they were supposed to start, that line they was didn't play long. till 7 p.m., and they got there at 4. Yeah. The line was literally thousands of people long. Yep. So if they have more kiosks, that'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they learned their lesson, but that's the second thing they announced. Yeah, but quickly, going back to the oh, yeah. to yeah. the Smash tourney, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I mean, if it wasn't already clear enough, like, how big of a deal this is, like, this is taking a game that... It went out of its way to not be competitive, and now Nintendo is like literally taking the, you you arguably the most competitive people in the world like to play and like I guess validate it for them. Yeah. So they went from they went from going I guess you can play competitively if you want to going fine we'll give you two modes you have four glory and four fun, and now they're going fine we'll have a tournament are you happy yet here as competitive as humanly possible. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, like, Jason and I were, like, talking about, like, do you think, like, whether we thought whether, um, oh, yeah, they were going to get yeah. the game in advance or not. Because, I mean, these are, like... And by get the game, we mean play it before the tournament. Yeah. Not actually own it in advance. Yeah. Yeah, because they're, they like, to. are they just going to throw them in? They're, like, all right, I'll figure the controls out and be competitive. Be <laughs> all spontaneous. Discover all these tricks. So we assume, like, they'd have it in advance. And, I don't know. I, I, I think I, you made a good point when we were talking about this before we started recording. This was days ago. Um... That they're probably gonna have people try out all the new characters. Yeah. In advance, they can make strategies with those characters because Nintendo wants to show off the new characters. Yeah. So they can have the players use them. Show the variety in the game. Yeah. But I'm super excited for this. This so is this like could go really good or bad for that game. They they could go like, well, yep, we we could stop playing Melia. or like, oh, no, I, I think that. Nintendo's confident that that's what's gonna happen, or else they would never dream of doing this because they know how Brawl was received. That's why yeah. they're making all the four for glory stuff now. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, they are working with Tekken too. So I mean, well, not Tekken. They're working Namco. with Namco. Who makes so, Tekken? Yeah, so they they definitely have someone that knows can handle balancing. And Sakurai knows how to balance things. He just the issue yeah, with I mean, Brawl was the speed was changed. So well, not only that, but I mean, like some characters, like, like sure, you could have a game that isn't competitive whatsoever, but you still need to balance it. I mean, because right. then you don't want everyone just picking Meta Knight. Right. Oh, and speaking of Smash Bros, one off remark that isn't even planned for this episode, but I'm saying it anyway. Armillo's a new assist trope, not Armillo. <laughs> wow Dylan Dylan from Dylan's Rolling Western Armi- on it. yeah Dylan from Dylan's Rolling Western the Armadillo hence my Armillo comment is a Nexus trophy and he will roll appropriately enough anyway back to what we were saying um, I just wanted to chime in with that while I remembered uh, the tournament it'll be cool I'm super excited and the reason I'm super excited is because, like, back when I was a kid, I used to, like, hear about, like, when I was, like, eight, I would hear about, like, the World Champ- the Nintendo World Championship in 1990 and be like, oh, that sounds so cool. I wish I was, like, old enough. Oh, that- I was one year old. I, wasn't- I wish I could have gone. Here we go. Yeah. It took 24 years for them to do it again. But here we are. Yeah. I'm-, I'm still a little hesitant. Like, I'm, I'm-, I'm excited to go just because it's a new Smash Brothers. But yeah. 
like in the past i guess like watching um with the exception of melee because melee like it's such a fast game that people are like just attacking each other like crazy mm-hmm. but when i watch people like really good players like the top of the top like play brawl there's just a lot of like hanging out on the opposite side of the stage just for like minutes and it's like like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna kick you nope no, no i'm gonna stay well weird. smash bros has weird playing so it, it, i mean it's, it's the people it's not like the game is inherently un- brawl... uninteresting to play it's to watch i mean yeah but brawl has that weird thing you talk you covered this in extra on the site just the other day uh for those who haven't seen it it's called when smash bros don't brawl and their players just do weird things in brawl i mean the extra as you'll see if you go check it out which i highly recommend we have a video no, you can even, see it for yourself i know they're, they're not just... actually competing but the fact of the matter is these are smash bros players who they go online and they just stand there and taunt it's bizarre <laughs> like they is there some like unspoken rule that everyone knows and seriously go check out jose's extra on the site it's like if you want to see videos, this, it's so weird. And plus, like, it's just a really funny written art, funnily written. That's not a word. It's a well written and funny article. Just because you're like, you, you take on this tone as it's like, what's wrong with these people? Why aren't they in like a, a mental care facility? Well, well you got to keep in mind when I stumbled upon like it was kind of like a revelation because like yeah. for many years I'm like, oh, everyone's always going against me. And then when I finally figured out, I was like, oh my god, like this. They is, just don't play. Like, I learned their code, and then at some then at some point I was one of them. And yeah, you've you've joined the brotherhood of Smash Bros who don't brawl. But no, seriously, everyone, go. Oh, no, read. no, no, no. If Definitely. you have to read an extra, just for research. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yes, you're just researching. The, right. You only did the you only did the heroin for the research article about the effects of heroin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was I gonna say? Um. Yeah. No. Seriously, if you want to read one extra on the site, because we had two in, since the last episode, my Mario Golf one and his Smash Bros one. Forget my Mario Golf one. The Smash Bros thing's just so bizarre. You just have to see it. It's it's weird. But yeah. So what my point was though is that I'm not surprised, like, brawl players, even competitively, do things like hover on the sides. It's like, when they, when anyone well, goes... I mean, they can, I mean, it's strategy. I mean, it's yeah. like chess. You don't really want to be the first to attack. You want right. to do the reaction. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it's more strategically sound. But yeah, so that's what's going on with Smash Bros. in E3, but that's not all that's happening, of course. Nintendo also has news to announce, and they're doing it in two ways. One is they're going to be doing daily coverage that's different from in the past. As you may recall, in the past years, they used to do, like, the Nintendo Network E3 thing. I forgot what they called it. And I think it's called Nintendo Network, actually, before the Nintendo Network IDs rolled out. And basically, it was this guy, Brian something or other, and he'd do a little recap of the day's events in, like, a three-minute video that was, like, a highlight reel. And they'd have, like, testimonials from people on the show floor. And then they'd have developer interviews and all these little, like, bite-sized videos. This year, they're saying, you know what? We don't need to do that when we can have constant streaming content for three days straight. So every <laughs> hour of E3 as a functioning convention where it's open... The Treehouse staff, which are Nintendo's awesome localization team, Bill Trennan and all those people, uh, Bill Trennan, Eric, Nate, I forgot some of their other names, but those are guys that pop in the... The ex-IGN employees? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. They pop up, well, one of them, Rich is in marketing. Oh. But they, why do I know that? They <laughs> pop up, you know, they pop up in Nintendo Direct from time to time, like Eric Peterson and Nate Build Bil- You know so many names. Ba- Bildorf? He's a good, Nate is the guy that writes uh, the Mario and Luigi RPG Oh, yeah. You, you point him out every year when, when his face pops up. Yeah, because I'm like, that's the guy that writes Mario and, and Luigi. Like, and, I'm, and I'm like, yes, it is. Well, I mean, yeah. And then, and then, and then we go on with our lives. And we go on with our lives. <laughs> but anyway, uh, anyway, yeah, they are all... Um, they're all going to be doing this live stream. They're going to be doing in-depth demos. It's going to be eight hours a day for three days. It's going to be unscripted, they claim, so I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but Nintendo's making a point of saying it's unscripted, and presumably they'll have other coverage besides just demos. So I think it's super cool. It's smart. It's really an extension of, like, what Nintendo does with the Directs, you know? Because, like, with the Directs, um... The Directs kind of showed Nintendo that they are able to control their message fully. 
Like, why why give a game to the media to do a preview of when you can do a 36-minute Mario Kart Direct and have all the information directly how you want it said without any spin or any comparison to anything. You just make it in the best possible light, right? That's the whole point of the Direct. Nintendo can do, deliver their exact message on point as they want it delivered. Now, they're taking that one step further and going up against the live streams on game trailers, on IGN, on GameSpot, on Twitch. You know, all those sites that cover E3 in their own way, and they're like, hey, we're over at the Nintendo booth talking to Nate about blah, 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 and they do an interview in the, you know, in the IGN or whoever poses the questions and frames the conversation. Now Nintendo's saying, if we can do a direct and we can directly say exactly the message we want to say in those bits, why don't we just do that live for three days during E3 as well, and then we get the exact thing we want out to the fans word for word how we want it said without having to like go through a filter of any other media company. So they're basically competing with the people that they're giving access to, but they're doing it to ensure they have the message they want to send out. It's smart, because directs have worked so well for them, and now they're just expanding that to live on coverage. Their on their terms. So that that's one way they're doing news. The other way, of course, is the big Tuesday morning blowout. So normally at 9 a.m. every Tuesday morning of E3, which this year would be June 10th, they uh, would have a press conference from 9 to 10.15 or so. Then, last year, they said, you know what? We're going to do a Nintendo Direct. We're going to do it at 7.30 in the morning, Pacific time, which was awful because I had to wake up early. The things I do for Nintendo, man. But now, they're moving it back to 9, hurrah, but it's still a pre-recorded video, eh, now called a digital event. The Nintendo Digital Event. It's a new type of presentation, they say, and it will have all the news we want, just in a new format. What I'm hoping that means is less... I wanted talking in front of a white background and more zany Tomodachi life, Mario Kart Direct, uh, Nintendo E3 announcement video, you know, the play Nintendo video. Like that sort of like skit-based, humorous, entertaining show in in and of itself. I'm hoping it's going to be like that. Hmm. But either way, they are doing another press event. They are doing another pre-recorded press event, which which on one hand... It's fine. We're still going to get the news we want, and it's still going to be delivered to us at the same time as always. But on the other... And I'd much rather, now that I think about it, have them spend money on Smash Bros. tournaments and Smash Fest and daily live streams and a one-hour presentation that they could just as easily do in front of a green screen instead of building a huge set for, you know? But on the flip side of that, we're already starting to see the downside, which is every major media company, every major like media outlet is already reporting that Nintendo's skipping the E3 press conference again. And I mean everyone. Like, IGN's article was, Nintendo announces E3 plans, skips press conference, or something like that. GameSpot did a similar one. Uh, Yahoo was reporting on it. I think it was Yahoo. But I mean, are they saying Nintendo skips E3? They're saying Nintendo's not having an E3 press conference. Oh. And then when you click through, it's like, oh yeah, because they're doing all this other stuff. But most people just see the headline and be like, huh, they're giving up. I'll tell you, like, the reach of these, like how mainstream it went, I was looking at an interview with one of the lead singers of Linkin Park in a New Zealand, like, general news website. Like one of their big TV channels down there. Channel 3 New Zealand or whatever. is in the entertainment section. On the right side. Other top stories. The top story. Nintendo announces E3 plans. Skips conference. On a New Zealand general entertainment website. The top story to the right of what I was reading. Was how Nintendo's skipping their E3 conference. Not how they're having a tournament. Not how they're still giving a press event. You know through a video. And doing three days of live streaming to fans. Those were all in the article, but the article itself just said skips conference, which sounds like the whole conference. Yeah. So that's the downside, is at least leaning into E3, Nintendo always runs into these problems, or now, second year in a row, where they just are stuck being, making it look like they don't care and they're not competing anymore. During E3 last year, I noticed there was a bit of a pivot. 
Sony and Microsoft would always pit against each other in articles. It'd be like, Sony announces PS4 stuff, Microsoft announces Xbox stuff, which one's better? And then off to the side, there'd be a second article that's like, Nintendo announces this. So Nintendo now gets their own custom articles. The problem is people are going to be clicking the console war articles, not the Nintendo articles. So Nintendo has to figure out a way to get people to want to care about both, I guess. Why Nintendo always won the console war from the very beginning? You just never realized yeah. it. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the only downside to not having a press conference. But I do really like what they're doing this year. I think the tournament's super cool. I think it's great they're doing another Best Buy event to get out in the hands of people. Because Nintendo has said for so many years, even at the E3 press conference I went to back in 06, they kept saying, playing is believing. Actually, that's exactly what they say at E3 06. The, with the Wii, playing is believing. Okay, so don't let anyone else play it except those at E3. That doesn't make sense. And then here we are now, however many years later. They're at Expos every other month, practically. They're just at WonderCon. They're going to be at Comic-Con. They're doing Smash Fest. They're doing Smash Bros. Invitational. They're getting the games into people's hands. That's what really matters. It's, to them, they're, I feel like to them, they're pivoting from, being, from E3 being a media-centric event where gamers just happen to get news to E3 being a chance for Nintendo to celebrate their fandom and really give them stuff. And sure, the media gets to learn stuff too, but it's like we're try- they're trying to tailor it more towards fans and less towards media now, which is fine by me. I mean, technically, we're sort of media, I guess. We're not. Yeah. We're enthusiasts. We're not like press. Yeah. So until we get like an official badge, then we can't. Call which it we may, but probably not. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So that's what Nintendo's doing at E3. Of course, the other question is what's. Well, let me rephrase. That's how Nintendo's doing E3. The other question is what is Nintendo doing at E3? As in, what are they showing? And really, we don't know too much. I mean, obviously, Smash Bros. is going to be a huge part of it. And I kind of can't help but wonder if they're doing all this Smash Bros. stuff. Like, if the Best Buy event is only Smash Bros. And if there's a huge tournament in Nokia Theater. Are they trying to cover up the fact that they may not have very many other new announcements? Are they focusing so much on Smash Bros. because there won't be... Maybe there'll be a tease of the next Zelda, but there's not going to be, like, a 10 unreleased game, unannounced games playable. It's just going to be what we know. Like, I guarantee the Yoshi will be there. Bayonetta 2 will be there. There, X will be there. Well, they did say they will have something Zelda-related. Right, yeah. Right, they did. And it'll probably be something like the art. Or like the... Yeah. But it won't be playable, I bet. But, um... Hylian Warriors will be there. I hope that's not what they meant. Uh, you know, so Nintendo will have games we already know about. These, by the way, that's speculation no, they, that it, those will be did, there. Didn't they say new games? I'm sure they, they did, did. yeah. yeah. And, and we know Nintendo's talking about their NFC product there, their new NFC-enabled game. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, are they going to have a lot of big surprises? Or are they really banking on Smash Bros., which is why the uh, Best Buy is only Smash Bros., and which is why totally there's wrong. a huge tournament. I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing. I just named six, five, six different Wii U games that are coming this year or, or next year. But... Is there anything else? Like, it just seems... It doesn't sound it that bad. Like I mean, I mean, like six, I mean, by the time E3 rolls around, there'll be six months left. Yeah, but out. the difference is normally for E3, we get surprises this year. Oh. We'll get NFC, and we'll probably get one other thing, but I feel like the fact... I know I just can't repeat myself now, but the fact that they're putting all their eggs in the Smash Bros. basket, at least at this stage, makes me wonder, will there be many surprises, or, or, or are we past the point where E3 is about surprises, and now E3... That Star Fox Metroid crossover ended up... Oh, God, from a year ago? I can't believe we seen that ep- two years ago. We seen an episode around that, because there was no other news at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still proud of the artwork I made. It looks pretty good. Go look on the site, everyone. That is a cool artwork for that crossover that never happened. <laughs> just chill on the site and... Yeah, you know what? Just don't leave the site. Just every five minutes, click a different link, boost our page views, we'll love you forever. Um, but yeah, I don't know... I, yeah, I don't know what Nintendo will have in terms of games, but one thing I do know is they will not have new hardware. There have been so many false start rumors about new Nintendo hardware at this E3 that's been like, ah, it's been like maddening. Okay, first, 
first, someone found in the metadata for the E3 website Nintendo launched, E3.Nintendo.com, they found a tag for new Nintendo console. And, of course, the internet went, oh, my God, new Nintendo console. Here's the thing. E3 2012, E3 2013, both of them list new Nintendo console. It's a search term. Wii U is not a household name yet, whether Nintendo likes to admit that or not. By putting new Nintendo console into the metadata, it would imply that if someone doesn't know what a Wii U is, but goes, oh, there's a new Nintendo console with Smash Bros, and they search new Nintendo console, it will take them to the E3 site. I think that's all it was, and they've done it for three years now, and last year there obviously wasn't a new Nintendo console. So that was about nothing. And Nintendo has since removed the metadata because everyone freaked out. So that's resolved. That's number one. Second rumor. IGN's editors do a podcast and about Nintendo. Similar to us, except they're IGN. And uh, in the podcast, they start talking about new hardware at E3. And saying how they think there'll probably be new hardware. And they've heard from sources there'll probably be new hardware. This, of course, sent the internet into a tizzy again. And then uh, Jose, not you, Jose, their Jose. IGN has a Jose as well. That Jose basically commented saying, yeah, guys, if we were confident enough in that rumor and our source being legit, we would have written an article about it, not just casually mentioned it in a podcast. It's an iffy rumor. Don't take it too seriously. And then uh, another IGN guy, Pierre Schneider, he's like one of the founders of the site, he then jumped into a Twitter conversation about this, basically saying, because someone's like, oh, so are they going to focus on the new hardware? He's like, no, 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 this E3 is about 3DS and Wii U most likely, but there could be some sort of hardware. So in other words, IGN's like, there's going to be hard... Well, maybe there won't be. Well, I mean, wouldn't the toys kind of count as hardware? Yeah. You know what else would? Quality of life product. But, yeah. but just, to, just, to, just to make this rumor more intense, <laughs> then videogamer.com citing its own sources and saying... I, basically, they said, yeah, we heard the same thing. And when IGN said in their pockets, we're like, oh, that's two different people that have heard the same thing. So they ran an article about it. And it got to the point where everyone's like, is there going to be a new console? That Nintendo actually had to issue a statement saying no. No new hardware. And I think they did for one, the primary reason of, if there are rumors of new hardware... They right people because that's what they like to do. What? Well, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, I think why they did it was, let's say, they're even, let's say there is new hardware. Let's say they're lying. Do they want to cut off Mario Kart 8 sales? Before it even starts. If people find out there's going to be a new Nintendo console, why am I about to buy the Mario Kart 8 bundle? If in two weeks Nintendo's yeah. announcing a new console. They can't let that happen. This is supposed to be the Wii's comeback moment. Wii U's comeback moment. The Wii's comeback moment, that would be crazy if it came back from the dead. We're bringing but back the, the Wii. Yeah, no, but the Wii U, this is its moment. Like, it can't, Nintendo can't afford to let there be these rumors. Which is why they very quickly told CVG and Eurogamer, it's, there, there is no new hardware. Now, to play devil's advocate a little... Nintendo once denied hardware before. Actually, many times. If you recall, though, during E3 in 2012, there was a rumor published by, or a report published by uh, Nikkei, or whatever you call it, in Japan, the newspaper, that said, Nintendo's going to release an Excel version of the 3DS. And at E3, Nintendo's like, no, we're not. Two weeks later, put out a Nintendo Direct, and guess what they announced? A 3DS XL. So, just because Nintendo says there's no hardware at E3, doesn't mean there's no hardware coming, and I guarantee sometime in the next few months, we are going to see the quality of life platform which is hardware, and it will be playable at some sort of, or shown at some sort of Nintendo event. Question is, is it going to be in tandem to E3? Is it going to be after E3? Nintendo said it won't be anything at E3. Yeah, because, I mean, if it's not a full-on gaming device, why would it have to be? Well, it doesn't have to be. And the trend these days among tech devices, not so much video games, but tech, is companies hold their own events. Whenever there's a new HTC phone, they get their own press conference. It's not tacked on to, like, Mobile World Congress, when they're, which is a big cell phone convention. You know, when Apple does stuff, they have a conference. When Samsung does stuff, they have a conference. Like, if Nintendo's going to step into a 
less of a gaming sphere and more into a tech sphere, they're going to hold their own special event for it, probably. Or at least do some sort of Nintendo digital event. So, I don't think... I think everyone's freaking out about nothing. I don't think there will be hardware at E3. There's certainly not going to be a new system. Maybe a revision, but even then I doubt it. And Nintendo's outright saying no, but they have lied before. But uh, we probably will see quality of life before fall. Or in fall, at the latest. That's just my thoughts. So, I just wanted to address that rumor, because it's been like literally all that video game forums I've been talking about the last two days. So, So with that, that pretty much does it for the news. However, with a title like Stuck... With stick you, to the, oh, stuck with you. With like stuck with you. That means we have to talk about a game that has stuck in its name, or in this case, a different tense of it, which is stick, which is stick it to the man, which is the game you played on the Wii U. It's all yours. In one day. Yeah, it's like what four and a half hour game. Yeah, it could have maybe gone a little bit longer, but I mean, but is it going to last? I'm to these kind of games, so I hope they would have figured it out pretty well. Besides, <laughs> <laughs> so confident in yourself. Yeah. So stick it to the man. This game, um. For the Wii U. Yeah, for the Wii U. It has a really interesting art style. It pretty much, um, in a nutshell, this guy that um, you play as a guy called Ray who tests um, hard hats. And one day when he's not wearing his hard hat, he gets hit in the head really hard. And um, this alien pops out and presumably just takes over. I'm saying presumably because I don't want to spoil anything. Um, takes over his head and he now has the ability to read minds. Using Wait. Oh, never mind. Okay. Using, yeah. And he reads these minds using like this stretchy taffy arm that just pops out of his head. Like one of those sticky slappy hands from when we were kids, Exactly right? like that. Exactly, actually. And you stick it to the man. Yeah, the main villain is actually someone called the man. And you're sticking it to him with your sticky hand from your head. Yeah. Controlled by an alien. I'm sorry, continue. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you use this hand, um, like to maneuver yourself sometimes. Like, there's, um, tacks placed around the world. Oh, I guess I should say this beforehand. The world has um, a Paper Mario aesthetic to it. Everything is made out of paper, cardboard, you name it. It's oh, like, and, it, and it acts like real paper and real cardboard. Yeah, so, like, it and, and it plays kind of like a platformer. Mm-hmm. It's almost identical to Paper Mario in that sense, like, the way it's built. Sure. So, like, your character, um, when he falls off a cliff, he'll respawn in, like, from a printer. Like, he'll get printed out, and then he'll get <laughs> cut out cool. from, like, the sheet. That's better than what Mario does. And um, like the and then like the way people move, like their their limbs like bend in certain ways. Like they move like paper. Like they're all made out of paper. Right. And um, but it plays just like um, if you've ever played a Telltale game, such as like The Walking Dead, um, Back to the Future, or I guess Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Or, <laughs> That's their weakest one. Right? Or they're more recent on the Wolf the Wolf Among Us. I every time I see the Wolf Among Us, I always read it. That as game the Wolf is of free now, I think. Right. I think the first chapter at least. Yeah. But every time I see it, I literally, like, I'll see the title and I'll just read Wolf of Wall Street and I'll go, they made a game of that? And I'll reread and go, oh, no, they didn't. Oh. So, well, Walking Dead and Back to the Future are really, really, really good games. Anyway, well, those games, um, yeah, they're point-and-click adventures and that's what this game is. Right. And essentially, it's like a treasure hunt, kind of. You, they drop you in this, like, this ten chapters and every chapter, like, you drop into, like, a little hub. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the exception, like, of two or three chapters, but no need to expand Every those. chapter, except the chapters you don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, the other ones are more exposition. But anyway, so these chapters that are like hubs, um, they're just filled with like NPCs. You talk, you talk to them. You, mm-hmm. they each give you like a clue, like like oh my my boyfriend like doesn't want to come to the dance. I wonder why. You run to the you run into the boyfriend like a little far away. Like, oh, I don't want to go to the dance because I'm so like ashamed of my like something like my teeth or something. And then later you find like this guy's like like this other person like oh my god I have too much toothpaste. And then um so. I your, see where this is going. So using your sticky you hand. You give the girl the toothpaste to go to the dance with, and then the boy no. just cries with his bad teeth. 
right? No, you... I would suck at this game. So usually, um, just like Paper Mario, there's stickers. Stickers yeah. are these things that you just, like, pull out of the background and, like, let's say you said toothpaste. This is not an example from the game. I just made this up because I don't want to give away any... Because those it's are the puzzles. Example, except it's a very easy puzzle. Yeah. Although, apparently not. Cause yeah, because yeah, if I were to give you an actual thing in the game, it just spoils it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, like, so... The toothpaste will be a sticker that you... It's really obvious what you can interact with. So you mm -hmm. just, like, peel it out of the background, and now you have the sticker with you in your inventory that you maneuver with the D-pad. So then you take the sticker to the man that was crying, the the boyfriend. You slap it on him. little cutscene ensues. And then he goes back to the girlfriend. Then you go to the girlfriend, and then they interact with each other. Sure. And then their love... As soon as you could read minds... You Is that have, how you figure out that the guy's ashamed of his teeth? Yeah, you don't. Yeah, like they'll talk to you. Go you go into, but you but, dig but, into their yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, they'll talk to you, but they won't really reveal much, and then you go into their head. And usually, when you go into their head, either um, the sticker will be something that is already in the background that you just rip out. Sure. Or um, like, let's say like um, someone um, like this dog is hungry, and then you talk, and, but you have no food to give them. But there's like a little, like a dotted line that pretty much tells you you have to stick something here. A sticker of food. Yeah, and then right. you go to the chef who has, like, nothing to cook with. They're like, oh, man, if I had my kitchen, I would cook this um, pot roast. And then that's something you're reading in his mind. Sure. And then um, all of a sudden, this, like, thought bubble will pop out, and the pot roast will be there. And you could rip that out and use that to give to the dog. Oh, okay. So anything people think... So you're literally ripping things out of people's minds, and they turn to stickers that you then stick into other people's minds. Yeah, you could turn thoughts into reality, essentially. Gotcha. And then, yeah, one thing leads to another, and you pretty much like a domino effect of, like... Right. Things. And usually they're pretty obvious, but then there are, like, some people that, I guess they're the equivalent of side stories, like, because, mm -hmm. like, as soon as I figured out one, I'm like, okay, now I know where to go, because I'm going to keep doing this. But then I gave, like, one object to this one person, and they kind of just left, and then I'm like, wait, now I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I have to, like, kind of, I mean, it's a, it's a fenced-off area, so sure. to speak. So there's only so many places you can go, and you, you pretty much just explore every nook and cranny, and just like Paper Mario... Some buildings will look like as if they're peeling off, and you'll just like pull off like the front of the building, mm -hmm. and then there will be more people to talk to or another item to. I kind of just people hiding behind a peeled off building. Well, the more like they're just at in home. The, they're inside the building. Yeah, they're inside the building. Now, so how's the gamepad work? I seem to remember <laughs> reading that that's where the dreams are. Mm, I don't know if they actually. Yes and no. It, the gamepad. Um, I, I kind of had a a brain dead moment where I felt like really silly after the fact. But, alright, let me explain. So, pretty much the gamepad um, just serves as another way to read minds. Because, I mean, this game was on the computer for three, you have to read minds somehow. Mm -hmm. Normally, you just um, hold L, and then um, with the left analog stick, you control the sticky hand. And Does the sticky hand kind of, like, sort through the it, it, No, dream, not, not really. It, it just kind of wiggles around the general direction that you're pointing it at. But um, a little circle, a little white circle, appears over the person who's brain you're going to read. Okay. And then when you're hovered over the person you want, you press R and the hand stretches in there and goes on their brain. Oh, Because okay. when you hold L, you enter like this purple haze mode where you see the brains of everyone you could interact with. Oh, so you're just guiding the hand into the brain you want. Yeah. Right. And that's how you know, like, okay, like, oh, there's some, there's a bird there I wonder if I could talk to it. You press purple. Oh, a brain appears. Oh, I can interact with it. If it doesn't, then I mean you can't. Yeah. And, um, and that's pretty much how you read minds. But the gamepad, if by default it's already activated and if you hold it upright, um, you pretty much go into, like, this first-person view where I guess you are looking through the eyes of the main character. Mm -hmm. And you kind of just move it around, like, around your surroundings, and you look for those people that are, that you see on screen. Usually they're right in front of you, depending on where you're standing. Sure. 
But like if they're like above, like on the second floor and you're below, you kind of have to angle it up. And as soon as you point it at them, um, it automatically starts reading their mind. And you just like point at the different people to read their mind. So it's a viewfinder. It, yeah. It's like a camera viewfinder. Yeah, but... Um, that doesn't sound so bad. 90% of the time, I have the volume off. So I didn't know that it wasn't working. I mean, I didn't know that it was working. So I just thought like, oh, it's broken. It doesn't work. So then eventually after I beat the game, I turned it on and then it worked. But what was Wait, the, hold on, wait. The volume on the gamepad indicated what? Oh, I should have said this before. When you're using the gamepad <laughs> to read the mind of people, oh, you just hear them their thoughts. Their thoughts come out of the gamepad, not the TV. That's cool. That's clever. I so, like this integration. So because it does that, um, so because you had didn't the volume, have the volume. Off, I thought it was broken, so I just played the game using it normally. Right. But um, that's a really cool way of using the gamepad as like an alternate control option, though. Yeah, I mean it, it's. In, it, in it, concept. It, it, I mean, it works well, like, when what, you it, have what, the what it does, on. I mean, what it does, but yeah. during regular gameplay, it's kind of annoying, because um, the gamepad is, like, super sensitive, oh, like, okay. like because it's so sensitive, that works inside, like, oh, it's so responsive, I could just flip it up and go into read minds mode, mm-hmm. but um, usually when I'm playing, I kind of hold the gamepad, like, I guess, like, a 45 degree angle, Sure. and every once in a while, like, I'll kind of, like, lean back, and then I'll tilt up a little, and sometimes, like, I'll just go into, like, mind reading mode when I don't want it to. And since the game is kind of like Paper Mario, like, there's, like, platforming. You have to jump from platform to platform. You don't want to fall into pits. Mm-hmm. There are, like, some, like, some people you have to avoid. Everyone, like, throughout the levels, there's, like, people you don't want to get caught yeah. by. Like, they'll, yeah. like, zap you and you have to go to a, a checkpoint. They're equivalent of enemies. Yeah. bad guys. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of puzzles involving those people and you want to, like, navigate through little corridors, like, to dodge them. Yeah. And sometimes, like, the, without really realizing the mind reading mode will activate without me wanting to uh, so like oh like and you can't move when you're in that mode so you're just stuck there you have to go back down and those people are pretty fast i mean they run faster than you like they're kind of designed so that you have to do everything well in advance or know your your plan of attack before you actually do it or you won't right. get caught so no no that's why i kind of turned it off in the end just because i didn't want it to keep activating because mm-hmm. even if i did want to use that feature when i'm not using it it did activate more often than i didn't want to Gotcha. And yeah. and I like to think I'm I'm usually more conscious of not trying to activate things when I didn't want to. So maybe it was just too sensitive. Maybe they should have only made sure it's like the we the gamepad is perfectly upright instead of just a that. Flex. I don't know. I guess sixty to ninety degree range. Right. Right. So that's like my only gripe with the game. Honestly, like it was ten bucks, uh, but it lasted me four hours. So. Give or That's take. a pretty good... I mean, like, these kind of games are usually, like, story-driven, so it kind of felt like an animated movie. You basically got two animated movies for the price. Yeah, of exactly. And, I mean, it was entertaining enough. Like, I mean, it was really strange. The character designs are really interesting, actually. Really ugly. The game has quite the whimsical ugly, but, style. Yeah. But, I mean, you could tell, like, just the amount of... You could tell that they put a lot of work into these characters. I mean, there's only so many characters you can interact with. Mm-hmm. But this is so much detail, like, going into their drawings and their voice work. Like, it's... No, no, like, you... As unbelievable as it is, it's a pretty believable game, I guess. I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> but, um... No, no, it's fun. Like, I, I would definitely recommend it. If you have, like... I, well, I guess you kind of have to be into those games to begin with. If you're a fan of the genre, it's right up there with the good ones. Yeah. But I mean, just think Paper Mario and a Telltale Point and Click Adventure. Right. That sounds fun, actually. I might yeah. check it out. And I do like the humor, like the trailers and the, like those live action trailers. Yeah, they have a good hum- good sense of humor. There's a lot of random references too that um, like I don't know if they were like super intentional or not, but um, like one like 
in the background of one of the things you can see like the the double fine B the logo you know how to oh that's probably a tribute because double fine like this game draws a lot from Psychonauts doesn't it I guess yeah maybe the art style kind of the art too. style and the dream idea going into people's dreams that's what Psychonauts is all about yeah so that's probably that's definitely it's that's definitely paying uh, homage and then there's like another weird little I don't know if it's a tribute or reference but like a long time ago I don't know how many people are familiar with the Angry Video Gamers but from a long time ago, like one of his first videos, he mm-hmm. he ranted about the the Silver Surfer game and how how, how, how terrible it is. Yep. And um, there's one character in particular that just wouldn't stop talking about the Silver Surfer game. Like, oh, I can't wait to go home and play the very awesome Silver Surfer on the NES. And that's just, kind of a so, random but cool. So, so like, of all, like of all the games to like talk about, like, he picks down. So like, I'm pretty sure it has to do something they're with that video. Yeah, because I mean, no one just references. That's Silver cool that they're there. making references like that though, because it's funny in its own right. Cause you're just like, what? Yeah, like, but oh, then if it's if you know the reference, it's so much. Yeah, it's like, it's like oh, the game is like so like has such good game design. Yeah, that's and, that's clever. I like that. Yeah, so I mean, like, I don't know. It, it was it was pretty. I have to check it out. It sounds fun. Yeah, and just like other. Like, Pretty sure there was like a Mario reference to like when they went to the pipe. I know for a fact there are like many more references mm-hmm. that I just caught as I was going, but sure. But the game is so short, it just kind of it doesn't just fly by, but it does kind of go fast. I mean, I beat it right. in a day, yeah. I mean, I didn't even plan to beat it in a day, I just kind of get going chapter by chapter before I knew it. It was over. <laughs> One of the chapters said the final chapter, and I'm like, what? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, it sounds fine. It's 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 one of those things that, see, this is a game I know I could probably beat if I were by. It's only four hours. Or yeah. five. Well, it'd yeah. probably take me a little longer because I'm not You sad. can beat it in four sessions, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. But I just got Mario Golf, so that's going to occupy my time for the time being. On the 30th. On the 30th. Yeah, but that's. Yeah. My gaming is gaming. It doesn't matter what I'm gaming on. It's no, just no, the yeah. Concept. We, yeah, we, we tend to, like, game, I feel like, 80% of the time at home. Yeah. Like, on portable yeah. games. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. yeah. I, I mean, airplanes and my house are where I play my 3DS. Yeah. Really. And maybe train subways when I'm in New York. No. But yeah, so um, I guess that pretty much, that's it for this episode, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, before we go, couple note show notes. Don't don't stop the podcast yet. I know you're tempted because you're gonna hear a bunch of plugs, but they're worth it. Don't. Okay. Thank you for sticking around. All right, here we go. Uh, the extras that we mentioned in this episode, you can check out on. I sound like I'm reading. I'm actually not. There's literally nothing in front of me at the moment. I'm looking directly at Jose when I say this. Creepy. Yeah, I'm not blinking either. Uh, no, but seriously, we have a couple good extras on the site that went up this past week, uh, these past two weeks since our last episode. There's the uh, Stop Teeing Off About Mario Golf DLC, which was my look at how Mario Golf's DLC is not crazy, as we mentioned earlier in the show. And there's also uh, Jose's very cool When Brawl, when Smash Bros. Don't Brawl. a look, Essentially a look at, if you missed it in the earlier part, it's a look at the weird trend of people not fighting when they play online in Smash Bros. And we have the video evidence to back us up. So definitely check those out. We're going to have another extra coming up pretty soon between now and the next episode all about Pokemon and how maybe hacking to make the dream team you want isn't as taboo or as bad as you may think it is. And we'll explain why. So keep an eye out for that extra. We're going to have other extras coming up. We also have our E3 coverage coming in early June. And it's going to be nuts. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to have a lot of stuff. So don't miss that. But before that, of course, we have more podcast episodes. Our next one will be on May 18th with... um coverage of course of Mario Golf World Tour we'll have our full impressions along with assuming Nintendo sticks to its own schedule a analysis of both Nintendo's overall finances for the last fiscal year and their strategy for going forward assuming I want to talk about it all and one other thing to keep an eye on you may notice with the extra about Smash Bros that we have a YouTube video because believe it or not we have a YouTube channel now I'm not going to say too much about what we're going to do with it I'm just going to say it's there 
It's Ram Nintendo. You can find us by searching or by just going to his article, Jose's article, and clicking the YouTube link there. But go ahead and subscribe because we have some stuff coming down the pipe at some point in the future. And it's going to be cool. It's going to be different. It's going to coincidentally be right around E3, maybe. So you might want to keep an eye out. But until then... We uh, don't know. What? Well, we don't know. Yeah, we don't really. We're, we're still figuring out the kinks of it all. But definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel for whatever's going to come. And while you're at it, follow us on Twitter at Real Nintendo so you don't miss any of the stuff I just mentioned. Subscribe to us on iTunes or on your podcasting app of choice because why not? And actually, you know, we never say this, but if you do enjoy the show, give us a rating. Give us a review. Give us something on iTunes <laughs> just because like I know there's a lot of you out there and it, uh, we, we could we don't mind gang yeah we, we could use the ego boost assuming you give us a good one if you gotta give us a bad one it's okay you don't have to it's fine really no need uh <laughs> no seriously you could we'd love to hear any review good or bad also you can leave a comment on this episode of the podcast in the corresponding blog post that's episode 69 stuck on what was it stuck on you stuck with you stuck on you stuck on you Wow, it's been a long episode, I don't remember the title. And I'm stuck with you. Yeah, was it stuck with you? Stuck on you, okay. Anyway, you can leave a comment and tell us how we need to know our own episode names, or any other thoughts you have on the show, or any other topics on the corresponding blog post. As always, if you want to see what me and Jose are doing in the world of games or beyond, follow us on Twitter, I'm JSR7, he is Wero, W-E-I-R-O, underscore O, which is also where it's he... Like a catchphrase. It is. Which is also... I have like a sales pitch. I do it every time. He's also on Miiverse with the same name. So if you want to see how he's doing Mario Golf, assuming he posts anything about Mario Golf or Mario Kart when the time comes, his videos or whatever, you can follow him there. Friend or follow me at Jason R. And that pretty much does it. So we'll be back May 18th with our next episode. Keep it on the site for extras until then. And start getting hyped for E3. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye.